It's time. Finally, a show for you. A once a week extravaganza, giving you the weekend's movies, the week's cons and entertainment events, what is worth watching on television for the week, the weekly comic book, novel, game, and collectible releases, as well as entertainment news and information. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture. It's Pop Culture Kaboom with your host, Jimmy Jones. Hello, world, and welcome to the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. As Spencer Stoner is here, Rob Nalta is here behind the big board, and I am, of course, your not so humble host of all things Pop Culture Kaboom, Jimmy Jones. And we have a scary show for you tonight. It's very, very scary. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to quote uh, uh, Zombo. If you don't know who that is, look him up. You can Google Zombo. Yeah. Um, but he likes to say that right during for all of his shows. Yeah. It's yes, very scary. He always shows the scariest movies ever made. <laughs> yeah, no, he don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary if you sit through them, that's for sure. Right? <laughs> week in, week out. Uh, just kidding. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to get. We're here tonight. We're going to give you everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. Whether you consider Sunday the end of your week or the beginning of it, go into Monday the best informed person you know. As we provide you with the latest news, information, and releases from television, comic books, movies, novels, cons and events, toys and collectibles, and games, the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show is also your place on the radio dial for you to talk about your favorite fandoms. This week, our special guest will be six-time Brom Stoker award-winning author and the queen of all things Halloween, Lisa Morton, will be welcoming her back to the show. And she has a new book out. It got released on October 1st, so a mere uh, seven days ago, called The Art of the Zombie Movie. And, of course, we'll be talking to her about all things Halloween, because Lisa Morton is the world's leading expert on Halloween, and, par- and she is also a paranormal expert. So if you have any questions about uh, Halloween, uh, why we celebrate it, why we celebrate it the way we do, anything like that, you can always call while she's on the phone and ask her. Um, we'll be picking her brain, no zombie reference intended, to separate the fact from the myth. Uh, how did Halloween get started? How many countries celebrate Halloween? And what is Sam Hain? Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's, a, that's a very, very scary. <laughs> okay. I'll listen to your comments and thoughts on the seven pillars of pop culture, entertainment, your favorite fandoms, and everything discussed on the show. To add your voice, all you have to do is call 775-515-4141 anytime during the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. But if you're too shy for the phones, you can always send a DM through the Facebook page live during the show, and it will be read. And... Uh, Maybe on air, it'll be read. Maybe on air too. Um, but if you want to uh, reach us 24 7, you can always send us an email. And uh, let me get to the emails real quick because we did get some. <clears throat> Woohoo! Yay. And when you're sending an email, uh, send them to popculturekaboom at gmail.com. Please put in the subject line, very important question, comment, concern, or my fandom. Then in the body of the meal, in the body of the meal, oh, body of the meal. Well, that's oh, very, so, somebody, that's somebody very cannibalistic has, um, sounding, yeah, doesn't protein? it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> somebody skipped lunch today. Body of the email. Please add your name and city, state, or country that you live in. Then fire away with what's on your mind. Please make that name just your first name. I don't need your last name. And emails will not be read on the air. So if you don't get those in there just like that. Uh, then, yeah, that more likely your email won't be read right on the air. I do respond to your emails, though, each 
and every one of them, or if they're for Spencer or Rob, I will forward them the email to them to respond back to you. Bear in mind, it will be read on the air unless you specify for it not to be, or you can't follow those simple instructions. I don't know why nobody likes you guys. They don't want to send you guys an email directly. That's okay. I don't it doesn't understand. bother me. <laughs> yeah, well, we're just open books. You know, everybody knows everything about us already, obviously. Okay. Well, Darren in Manteca, California. He wrote, I started watching Ahsoka because you said it was a decent enough Star Wars series, but I had to turn it off halfway through the first episode. It's like all of the other trash Disney has been putting out, and I'm tired of them forcing OP women characters down my throat. I don't know why you, of all people, didn't see how boring it was to watch and another Disney turd of a Star Wars title. Well, uh, first off, um, if you don't want a female lead characters, don't watch a series called Ahsoka because that's pretty much what it's about. Yeah. Well, and if overpowered, she's hasn't gained any more power than she had in Rebels. That's true. So yeah, she's, she's still a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. And in, well, in no, Clone she's Wars. actually she's, she she oh, isn't yeah, a Jedi. A Jedi. Yeah. And so. in and in Clone Wars, she was actually even more you know of a badass. And so, if he actually yeah. follows through, she. Does die. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. Oh, well, um, well, say, well, he wouldn't didn't get past the first episode, so I doubt he's going to fall. Everybody him. dies, but not every Jedi truly lives. <laughs> okay. I, I don't remember Obi-Wan Braveheart, but okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, that yeah. Uh, so, Darren, uh, if you don't like overpowered women characters, don't watch shows that are specifically about women characters like Ahsoka. That's all I can say about that. I mean, and it was decent enough. I mean, like how Dave Filoni's been doing things. I liked how Mandalorian's been doing things. It's kind of like side quests uh, off of the original Star Wars trilogy. So, you know. Yeah, and actually, uh, I kind of liked how this went because I really loved Rebels. That was a great cartoon. I mean, and this was a good continuation off of it because, you know, the, the, the show was kind of left off of on a cliffhanger. <laughs> So this answered the cliffhanger, and you still got some more more really good stuff like Grand like Grand Admiral Thrawn. Okay, uh, I need you to lean forward, Spencer. Lean forward a little bit closer. Ow! Eric told me to smack you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for the Scottish accent thing, I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm, like, I'm very confused. <laughs> right I'm just now. guessing, but it was an opportunity to hit you. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> Ah, radio. Uh, Chuck from Spring Hill, Florida. I actually don't know where that is. So you seem to be a horror snob. What movies would you recommend watching Halloween night? Um, Well, um, what does he mean by horror snob, though? I don't know. Yeah, is it a pejorative or is he complimenting you on your taste? I have no idea. Well, I I don't know how you'd call me a snob and didn't ask me what to watch. I mean, well, that's what I'm asking. Well, (laughs) Well, yeah, because if if he means it as a compliment, he's like, you you know, if you're a wine snob, you talk to a wine snob to get the finest vintages. Yeah, like, I guess he's because like. My guess is that when he's actually saying that is that he's he wants to know like what are your guests are like would be like the phenomenal movies to watch since you actually like pretty much brown turd every movie that's <laughs> wow like, okay like no, a I horror don't. movie <laughs> no I don't but you almost do okay. like the, really well, I can't <laughs> I, in honesty I can't remember the last time you gave one a good in his defense so. <laughs> it's not just horror movies he, 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 he no no but he, yeah, he, he touched browns movies. a lot no but movies. we're talking specifically of horror movies right now <laughs> okay. so that's you know so that's why I'm thinking that because I mean I have my own like depending on like what 
you're in the mood for what type exactly. of snob See, you are. That's the thing that he didn't put in this email. Because it all like, depends on the situation. Exactly. If you're at, if there's a par- if you're at a Halloween party, mm-hmm. it's more or less going to be background because nobody's going to really be paying attention. Exactly. Anyway. So you play classics. Uh, uh, yeah, like like Halloween be... because then you have the great background music from John Carpenter's mm-hmm. score. Yeah, or, or if it's going to be a. Uh, you know, a private party where, like, you know, two couples or whatever, then and you guys are actually going to sit and watch movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little different thing. If you're by yourself, or if you're just with a, a girlfriend it or a wife, depends. And if you if you want to binge watch some like a specific genre, yeah. or you or know, if you're well, introducing well, here's the thing. The, here's the thing with horror. horror. There's horror. not just it's yeah. just horror. There's gore. There's body. Tr- there's what type are you going for? Because like, if you're going for like movies you've never seen before, but are like good gory horror movies, but are comedic at the same time. So you have that levity. There's like I, I give you a whole series to watch on that. Like you know, <laughs> Bad Taste is a good one to watch for that. <laughs> have, you no. seen, have you seen Bad Taste? Yeah, mm-hmm. Bad Taste. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a but, good one for that. But like you know, it depends. Like because like you know, for me personally, like I think this year I'm going to do the Hatchet trilogy. Um, Hatchet trilogy. Yes, Hatchet and Hatchet Two and Hatchet Three. Oh. Okay. Well, and then I might better. even watch Victor Crawley again, both. but um, you know, like I don't know, like it's for me that's cuz like I for Halloween I don't know, I like I like the comedy thrown in and all that stuff, yeah. so. Yeah, prequel reboots on cheese horror. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I mean as far as comedy horror movies go, um, a good one to watch is uh, uh Night of the Comet. That mm-hmm. was a good one. Uh mm-hmm. Return of the Living Dead, which is kind of when that movie first came out, I was like, "Return? Where did they go? When, right. did they, when were they?" Well, it was supposed. It, no. it was kind of a, a, a sequel words. to a Night of the Living Dead, but not mm-hmm. really. Well, well yeah. yeah, yeah, but but uh, the, the, but they kind of used that as a springboard because when when George Romero originally made Night of the Living Dead, he didn't copyright it, so that that's why all of George Romero's zombie movies don't say "Living Dead" in them. Well, and they don't eat brains. And they don't need brains. They the brains everything. thing. The brains. The brains thing was introduced. To, introduced in Return of the Living Dead. That is yep. very true. Yep. So I mean, yeah. So I don't know. Ed, that depends, Chuck. Um, well, since your name's Chuck, maybe uh, um, the Chucky movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want, if watch you want horror and comedy, or or even like the series. Yeah, and the, watch series. the series. Yeah, the series is a good is a yeah, good one. Season for that. three just started mm-hmm. up, so you can watch that too. So there you go, Chuck. All kinds of different things that you can watch um, without specifics. I really don't know what to tell you. I mean, you can go on a John Carpenter marathon, watch The Fog. I always right. like oh, that. I love oh, the oh, fog. The, I'll look for any excuse to watch The Thing. That movie is awesome. Yeah, yeah the, actually, it's 1968 is the uh, Night of the Living Dead, Eric, not mm. 1965. But I don't don't ask me why I know that. Uh, <laughs> Michael from Sparks, Nevada says, "Is Friday the Thirteenth really your birthday, or is it a radio stunt?" <laughs> I would pick something other than something that comes up. I, literally, I looked it up. I, I I just had to look it up. Uh-huh. The last time my birthday was on a Friday was six years ago in 2017. Okay. The next time it'll be on a Friday is five years from now in 2028. So I think if it was going to be a radio stunt, I would not put so much time in between it. Well, yeah. Plus, you so. haven't really asked for anything, or well, we're not doing. We're stunt. not having some sort of like live, <laughs> like somewhere yeah, out yeah, for yeah. your yeah. birthday. Yeah, we're not doing like some big live <laughs> event where we're asking people to come see us or anything on it, or you know, anything. Yeah, bring buy some black cats and break some mirrors out in front because it's <laughs> of, the, of the radio station. Yeah, none of that stuff happening. And I could think of much better stunts we could do than your birthday. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Don't know quite how to take that, but thanks. 
All right. Well, uh, no, my birthday has always been October 13th ever since I was born. So, And just a happy coincidence, it's fallen on Friday the 13th this year. Yeah, as opposed to six years ago when it fell on the Friday the 13th as well. <laughs> so, But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those weird things. Um, and no, I was not born on a Friday the 13th. It was a Tuesday. I get tired of being asked. It's just a coinkydink. Yeah. So it just it just happens. Anybody with a birthday of, of the 13th of any given month, their birthday lands on a Friday at some point in time. Yeah, well, once every five, six years, or you know, six, seven years. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, because every— It's going to depend. Actually, the one in, in 2028, the Friday the, the, my birthday is the only Friday the 13th that year. Because it depends on, don't forget, there's leap year, so. Yeah, yeah which yeah, is so, next yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. so like every, yeah, so like every three or four years it changes, but then, but you know, for three or four years, it's just, if your birthday was on a Monday, next year it'll be on a Tuesday, next year it'll be, the year after that it'll be on a Wednesday, you know. Yep, yep. Yeah. So those are the um, um, emails that we got. If you'd like to send us an email, uh, Rob and Spencer are feeling kind of lonely, so why don't you email them? Definitely. Popcultureboom at gmail.com. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I, I can ramble on like nobody's business. Yeah, we know. <laughs> hey, that's why I'm here. Hey. If you want my opinion, that, 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 that come on, is, quit beating around the bush. What are you really trying that, to that, say? That, that I can't say because of FCC guidelines. Wow! Oh, <laughs> dang, Rob! Wow, right. you are on a roll today, sir. Okay. All right. So, uh, lots of stuff going on next weekend. I mean, uh, busy, busy month. Uh, um, with next weekend or this coming up weekend? This same difference, isn't it? Next weekend is the upcoming weekend. Well, I don't know. Like today, it doesn't. I don't know. I don't consider That's like this time of day the weekend still. Oh, so. oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. All right, so next weekend. Oh, so October, my birthday weekend. Woo-hoo! That work. That work for you. Um, is going to be uh, join Rob Spencer and I Saturday, October fourteenth at the Brewery Arts Center in Carson City for the Carson Creepy Short Horror Film Competition Screening and Awards Ceremony. Uh, there is going to be two screenings because I, I was uh, chatting with yep. Lyric earlier this evening. Two o'clock and six o'clock. Because uh, out of the third record-breaking 31 entries Woo-hoo! they got. How nine, many? Nine, they had 31 right. entries. And, and how many actually turned in? 19. Dang. Oh, wow. So All right. Pretty good Lots percentage. Films, yeah. Wow. So, so they're going to have a two o'clock matinee and five nine of those films will be uh, seen and the filmmakers will be in attendance. And the tickets for the, the for that two p two p.m. Saturday October fourteenth screening is ten dollar. If you'd like to attend both the matinee and the award ceremony itself, which is later on that evening at six thirty, at, oh, at the Brewery Arts Center, is going to be twenty dollars for both. And you can see all well, nineteen films. No, and you uh, then also you go that evening and you participate in the raffle. You can also participate in the costume contest. Very important stuff. And also there was one other thing going. Are on. Are they still doing the two audience participation awards? Yes, for each screening. For each screening, perfect. So, nice. so all of that. So if I think that's great because that op- that gives another group an opportunity to be the audience favorite yeah because there's some there's some that it's like oh i like that one oh i like that one too like (laughs) i like that one but yeah Uh, this eliminates the butts Mm -hmm. Uh, i need to get pictures of you guys to do a comic characters okay okay my phone's muted mine is did you guys heard that right yeah Mm -hmm. was it your computer no it's muted too okay everything on all my stuff's muted hmm that was funky. All right. I Welcome. blame the coffee maker. 
It's off. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> well, we got to blame something. Might as well blame the Keurig. Oh, no, you know, the off Keurig, which means that the uh, ghosts of the Adams House are at it again. Yep. Because it is October. Yeah, mm-hmm. those scary stuff. Ooh, we just <laughs> have like a seance in here. That'd be fun. No. <laughs> you can do it when I'm not here. Um, but anyway. Uh, so, yeah, join Rob Spencer and I next Saturday, October 14th at the Brewery Arts Center. Don't forget, also, as the big Ring of Fire um, annular uh, solar eclipse going on at 9.18 in the morning. Uh, this is important based mainly for those of you who live in eastern Nevada, because you guys are going to have the best viewing opportunity. Uh, but it starts real early in the morning at 9 o'clock. Um, basically, it'll be dark for... T- Four hours total, mm. two hours beforehand, two hours after, as the uh, moon makes its way across the sun. And uh, but don't look at the sun directly, Darkling. please. Even though it is going to be very, very dark because uh, the moon's blocking the sun, and that's how you're getting that whole ring of fire thing going on. But it'll be really cool to see. Uh, just don't look at it without the proper eye protection. Go and visit. Uh, what is it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, CDC, FEMA's, whatever to. <laughs> <laughs> One of those uh, dot government org dot things to find out exactly what you can use to watch the solar. Yeah, no, no, we used to make them in school. Remember that was like the yeah, you'd like put a pinhole in like a piece of cardboard or uh, yeah, you need like a box. Oh, that's brilliant! A pinhole in a cardboard box. You made a box. Oh, well, 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 yeah, but then you watch the shadow of it because oh, the, the, the shadow okay. the shadow yeah. is 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 affected by the right. moon. Okay, so you have a cre- little crescent. But now light they have thing. these uh, glasses that you can actually wear. They're kind of like um, welding goggles. <laughs> <laughs> no, they actually they look they look similar to like the the three D glasses you'd get. Remember, like in the cheap promos in the eighties when they would do the three D movies on TV. Oh, and, I love that. And Seven Eleven would have the the. The cheap 3D. This is what they look like. Really? With yeah. The, with the red one, one red lens. One no, but lens? they're dark. They're dark lenses. Oh, okay. You know, so I'm sure they're coated with something that you're able to see them. Okay. They've been promoted on a couple like websites. Well, there you go. So uh, also, there are now only 335 days until the Carson City, Nevada's first ever pop culture and comic book convention, KaboomCon. Woohoo! 97 and Now Productions will be putting on KaboomCon Saturday, September 7th, 2024, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And there is so much happening at this one-day convention. Yes. As announced by Mark Helton last week, they are now going to, uh, they have uh, gotten a hold of a spare room. So that yep. you, they're going to be expanding to have not a game room. So mm-hmm. if you're into the tabletop gaming, you now have a game room to go to. And they've also procured the auditorium. So yeah, that's cool. The main presentations will be done on that stage, um, mainly um the world premiere of season three of Murphy's Inc., as well as the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show will be broadcasting live from up on stage. And the cosplay contest will be held, actually, at 5 p.m. The only set programming is the cosplay contest at 5 p.m. Right. on Saturday, uh, September 7th. And it'll be on that main stage as well. So it'll be, uh, oh, okay, Eric, Eric's going to record it. Don't fry your camera. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a fun day, a long day, but it'll be a fun day. And you got to go and check it out. Um, all of the big major announcements will be later on, as well as when tickets will be on sale. 
And when those tickets do go on sale, just remember proceeds from KaboomCon will benefit Cold Nose Rescue and Sanctuary in Moundhouse, as well as KNVC 95.1 FM Community Radio right here in Carson City. So um, I did get a question from Eric, but I got it really, really late, and I'd already uh, uh, floated out a different question. So the Phoenix question of the week comes from Spencer. You're welcome. In the Hollywood culture of legacy sequels, what show or movie from your childhood would you want to see a new series or movie made from, but you have to change the main protagonist? Now, what do you mean change? Well, this is kind of in the same spirit as the Ahsoka show, because it's kind of a, a, a almost a legacy sequel of Rebels. And Rebels focused on, you know, Hera, Ezra, uh, and Sabine, where Ahsoka takes place, of course, in the exact same universe, but it focuses on Ahsoka, who is uh, basically just a reoccurring character in in uh, Rebels. So, so it's basically, it's like a sequel to Rebels, but it focuses on a character who was not one of the main characters in Rebels. Okay, I, was, I got a completely different idea out of that from that. I was thinking more like, oh, so, okay, so if I want to redo... Buck Rogers in the 25th century mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I have to replace Buck with somebody yeah, else. That's yes, exactly. I, that, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, but then yeah. it would no longer be Buck Rogers right. in the 25th century. If yeah, they, yeah, yeah took it. Unless it was like his son who was Buck Junior or something. Yes, good point. Okay. Um, all right. Well, then go first, Spencer. All right. Well, the first one that popped in my head on this was actually uh, Farscape. Farscape. Yeah, I love that one. It was it was on uh, the the Sci Fi Channel for four years. Ended on a cliffhanger. People got so ticked, and there was su- such a response that they actually did a mini series to tie up all the loose ends. And at the end of the series, uh, Crichton, John Crichton, the main character, had a, a a kid named Dargo. So if I was going to do a legacy sequel series, I would do I would be focusing on the kid who that that show the show's been off off the air so long now that 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 kid would now be an adult. Okay. So I would, I would focus on on Dargo as the main character and make. Make him like hunt down his parents who have gone missing or something. Uh, Eric says Airwolf. He really likes Airwolf. Uh, actually, Airwolf. <laughs> Airwolf was one I was thinking of. Yeah, but the, the, but that instead of it being in the cutting edge, they'd have to like have a you know the antique Airwolf and like bring it into the twenty first century to make it work better. No, just make a new one. Exactly. With all the new bells and whistles. And yeah. Then just call that Airwolf Two or also or whatever. <laughs> um, Rob, what say you? Oh, the, besides, we're late for yes, a break. We are. So oh. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I was focused on trying to understand the question. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll be right back with Rob's answer after he gets a little time to think about it. So <laughs> don't go anywhere. More Paul Culture Boom Radio Show right after this. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. And the question of the week is, in the Hollywood culture of legacy sequels, what show or movie from your childhood would you want to see a new series or movie made from, but you have to change the main protagonist or protagonists? Or protagonists. Okay. Um, And uh, Rob, now that you've had a little time to think about it. So originally I thought it was like, Okay, so we were taking a sequel, but I have to change who the character is. Well, then I would say no one. 
no. because I like the way that they are. <laughs> but now that I understand the question better, um, I'm going to actually, I would go with friends focusing on Phoebe. Really? Yes. I love Phoebe. Well, uh, okay. So what kind of angle would you want the show to take? Just her yeah. life, dude. Yeah, she just, was like the craziest one that yeah, we just, never, ever saw like her actual life on the show. We only saw like bits and pieces of her. Wow. The hmm. show really focused more on like Ross and, and them. So that'd be like making a spinoff show of Kramer. Oh my gosh. Her and Paul Rudd towards the end were like the best characters that they ever Paul created. Paul Rudd was on that? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. In last season. Yeah. Yes. They got married. Yeah. Oh my gosh. See, I never watched friends. Oh my gosh. He was, was going like, to become Mr. Banana I was like Hammond. the only. <laughs> okay. 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 I, I wish we had video right now just so you could see Jimmy's face after you heard that. There was this that whole, stopped me in mid sentence. There's a whole thing about Phoebe because she had to change her name and everything, you know, when they got married. And so she's like, well, why can't I change it to whatever I want it to be? And he goes, well, why can't I? So I'll become Mr. Banana Hammock. You know, like. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. That's a difference. Okay. So see, a Phoebe-centric kind of Friends like... show. Okay. <sighs> wow. I'm quirky. Ooh. I know. That is an understatement. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, now it totally threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Anna Hammocks always throw people off. <laughs> Yes, nothing makes your day go sideways like a banana hammock out of nowhere. Oh, yes. <laughs> I have a story about that, too. Okay. All right. So, um, let me see. Uh, well, I was thinking about it, and uh, something I, I'd probably say, probably not that crap movie that they did, because A, it had Will Ferrell in it, but um, the uh, probably like a remake of Land of the Lost. Oh, yeah. And okay. Like changing that around uh, and... and being more like a non a, like a new group of people that got there a different way, like a, like a they didn't fall down a waterfall, <laughs> you know. Uh, 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 I'm not going to repeat that. What Eric has on here, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, so it'd probably be Land of the Lost, or because okay. just because it, it, I think it'd be an interesting thing to revisit um i think that nowadays they could do a totally different version and a better version of the slee stack yeah i always I, thought I, they were cool they just had the crappiest weapons they had to the, like nerve version of crossbows I want to say that, they kind of, that they did a remake of that like well the yeah they did with will ferrell yeah, yeah. no no not movie. a movie but a tv show really they did yeah, yeah. I don't hmm. well that. then they need to do one uh, an hmm. even newer one with yeah, better they, with better well, that CG people will remember that <laughs> people will remember yeah uh, so all right so uh, that's my. Uh, anybody else want to chime in? Seven seven five five one five four one four one. The SAG AFTRA strike is now eighty seven days in, and talks between SAG AFTRA and the AMPTP are set to continue as potent as a potential new deal hopefully draws closer and closer and closer. The writers' strike is officially coming to an end, and the Writers Guild of America ratifying its new deal with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers and sending writers back to work. Now it's the yep. actors' turn. The Screen Actors Guild American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, aka SAG-AFTRA, remains on strike, but process progress is being made with the AMPTP. The two sides have been in negotiations this past week, and work continues over this weekend. Last Wednesday, SAG-AFTRA sent a message out to its members informing them of the status of the ongoing contract talks. Negotiations will resume on Friday, with or last Friday, with the two sides continuing internal work over the weekend. Talks will resume on Monday. 
this is definitely positive news for SAG-AFTRA, as it means talks are progressing and haven't broken down. As long as both sides continue to meet, it feels like a deal for the actors. We'll only get closer and closer. Also providing hope to the striking SAG-AFTRA members is the fact that the WGA was able to get a great deal done with the AMPTP, one that addressed many of their issues. And Mm -hmm. while the Mm -hmm. negotiations are at least continuing, there's still the matter of award season to contend with. And with the SAG Awards set to stream on Netflix on Saturday, February 24th, 2024, a lot of folks within the industry were looking for some clarity about what they can do and can't do when it comes to submitting and campaigning for nomination consideration. In an email sent to awards consultants and publicists, SAG after confirmed that actors and their representatives can submit themselves for award consideration, but... Here's where the line gets drawn. While the strike continues, actors cannot participate in for your consideration events or any other promotional activities that discuss, tag, reference, or feature struct content. The the and even e blasts and screeners remain on pause for the time being. The SAG Awards submission process began on Wednesday, October 4th at 10 a.m. and will run through November 6th, 5 p.m. Pacific time, with submission fees deferred until the end of the strike. I didn't know they had to submit; they had to pay to submit, but I guess they do. Mm -hmm. Television and film nominating committees have apparently already been formed, with rules and regulations regarding the nomination process set to be available alongside the start of the nomination process. So that is the big story. The big story. So uh, I guess they, you know, we're on strike, but we still got to pat ourselves on the back. I guess I don't. <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. Well, I think I think they're getting ready because the first one is supposed to be in February. We're hitting November, so I think they're they're anticipating that the it's going to go well. So they might as well start late because you notice they said they can submit themselves, but they can't campaign. Yeah. So they can. That's basically like submitting your application been waiting for the interview you know like <laughs> but here's, here's but yeah here's it's, why it's i make that statement because yeah. it's this the sag or the screen actors guild is on strike mm-hmm. but they're still going to making plans to have their their the sag their their own well because award the, whole, ceremony. the whole point so of being like, a screen actor is to get pats on the back from random people you don't know no, it's everybody that do know, actually. I mean, it's it's the, the guild giving out their own mm-hmm. awards to their members, pretty much. Well, yeah, but the point is they're they're getting their they're they're getting their attention from people, whether or not they deserve it is, you know, debatable. Well, but they're getting but they're getting attention and that's what they want. I'm only gonna watch it unless they can guarantee at least five people get slapped. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't watched an award <laughs> show in years. <laughs> you're, you're, yes, it has to be five. <laughs> That's non-negotiable. Yeah. It has minimum. To be five. Minimum. Five people. You have to get slapped. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, not, not those stage Sorry, Will Smith. So, so if they get yeah. kicked, you're out. Like, <laughs> is that what you're saying? Like, no, kicks don't count. If they get punched, you're unless out. Unless there's a kick to the face. I mean, unless there's a couple of Jackie Chan's going to run up there and you're just... you're out. You know, what, 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 about kick what about a good something? solid kick to somebody's groin? No, that's no. just wrong. <laughs> that's just not cricket, huh? <laughs> you will. Somebody will say it sounded like a cricket if you did that, but yeah, that that's just dirty pool. <laughs> you just uh, missed the good old days of uh, Will Smith, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he tainted me, man. I, I, I can't watch a show without somebody getting smacked. So, 
All right. Uh, not on smack, but actually getting smacked. Uh, Marvel's Ultimate Invasion set to foundation. Oh, by the way, collector's alert for a, for a new Ultimate Universe. And that universe officially kicks off in Ultimate Universe number one. Hey, what a kawinky dink. Later, later this year. Uh, seen in Ultimate Invasion number four, a new group of Avengers takes the mantle of this world's greatest protectors. And now we've got our first look at the full lineup of the team. The new squad includes Reed Richards, complete with his Doctor Doom style mask from Invasion, Thor, Iron Lad, Sif, and Captain America. Though we don't Lady actually Sif, all right. Yep. Uh, but though we don't actually see Cap in the mix just yet, as he is still frozen in ice in the preview. The new team is stacked, and with Spider-Man launching later, perhaps the team is not fully complete just yet. The end or the beginning war breaks out as timelines and universes collide. Iron Man must choose between the lesser of two evils, the Maker or Kang. But what secret does Iron Man know about the men behind the masks? And why are they everyone wearing masks nowadays? And at the end of it all, the world outside your window will be forever changed. Don't miss this giant-sized action-packed conclusion. Or is it only the beginning? Ultimate Universe number one hits comic book stores on November 1st. So you have Iron Man and Iron Lad. Iron Man, Iron Lad. Um, let me see. Uh, so here's everybody wearing a metal mask in this series, apparently. Okay. Iron Man, Iron Lad, Reed Richards, and Kang. Kang the Conqueror and, and apparently this, uh, uh, the Maker. All these people are wearing metal masks. Why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, I, that's that's a question for the writers. Well, I'm presuming Reed Richards is wearing a, wearing a Doom style mask for the same reason. Doom He's wearing a whole Doom style yeah. outfit. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm, sure, I'm presuming which, he kind of had what happened. What Doctor had the Doctor Doom unless he turned him. into a silly putty. I don't see a reason for him to be in a, wearing a full suit of armor. Yeah, me neither. No. But anyway. Yeah. Godzilla and King Kong are already gearing up for their next big Hollywood launch. If you did not know, the Titans are set to team up in Godzilla X Kong, the new empire. If you did not know that, you would, this must be your first time listening to this show. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Uh, the MonsterVerse movie will debut in 2024, and it plans to continue the duo story from Godzilla vs. Kong. Mm-hmm. Now we have learned the upcoming film has a prequel in the works, and Godzilla X Kong the Hunted will be its name. Cool. No. Um, the prequel was Godzilla vs. Kong, so I don't know why you okay, need Okay, to... how long ago did Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Kong come out? It doesn't matter. It's yes, still it considered the prequel to Godzilla vs. No, because Kong. there's a lot of stuff that happens between that movie and this one. And it, that's what that comic book, I'm assuming, is going to cover. Assume. Oh, and you're assuming it's a comic book. I didn't say that. Oh, <laughs> you did. Which actually was... A, a, so you, watch, you didn't watch Loki. No, Spencer, you, wa- you watched <laughs> yes, Loki, of right? course. Okay, Loki season two. Yes, there's been a lot of um, about the uh, uh, director of uh, the TVA now because she said when Loki was giving a big presentation uh-huh. about Kang that they had to go back to the go to the end of time to find out what happened. Mm-hmm. And when Loki never said anything about that, he it was later in that episode that he actually said something to a um, what's his name's character. Owen Wilson's character. Yes, Owen Wilson's character. You never saw it, but you know the, mm. know the people. I know the actors. Which is worse I have than, to rewatch yeah. it because I'm, no, I'm not remembering that scene. I thought it was just an editing goof. 
I'll have to just, watch it they just now put I'm not the scenes in that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, she was in a in the room and she and it's that big that big um, yeah when they're like the covered table yeah yeah and he takes the thing and he fries the wall and, it, and yeah he, so he shows all the kings instead of the uh, the other people that were there mm-hmm. that they killed in the first season the robot people right um, so that's when it's said that uh, he he she says that about going we have to find out what happened uh, at during that fight at the end of time. Would, mm. But Loki didn't say anything until later in the episode to Owen Wilson's character when they're in the hallway, and he's telling him what happened with Sylvie. So a lot of people are saying that that lady is actually an, uh, a variant of Sylvie from the future. That's why she's so, so much okay. older. Huh. But that's the only reason why she would know that info. I think it was just an editing goof that they put the wrong scene in the wrong spot, but that's me. Like I said, so, I'm now going to have to rewatch yeah, it. I guess you're going to have to find out in future episodes. Maybe, or it's going to be like that phone call. <laughs> You're going to just not know who, who you'd be going through the whole season. Who was calling him? Right. <laughs> There's a scene where Sylvie actually comes through the elevator, but the phone's ringing right before she shows up. Mm-hmm. He never answers the phone. Who was calling? <laughs> but uh, perfect timing, though, to be calling, though. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, so Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, yep, uh, the hunted will will be its name. The information comes straight from Legendary Comics as a Kickstarter was launched for the prequel comic. Godzilla x Kong, the hunted, promises to follow everyone's favorite ape as he comes under fire. A trophy hunter will take center stage in this comic. A trophy hunter, really? I, I think that this would be like a poacher is more apropos. Uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, but at least it's actually focusing on Kong or, or, or Godzilla because I, I hate it when they do stuff that focuses on the plucky humans. Well, it kind of is. He's, <laughs> he's a trophy hunter. So what is it, what is his actual game plan here? I mean, they're shooting rockets and stuff at him. I mean, what what is he going to get? That what, what could he possibly obtain that would be able to do that? <laughs> the trophy hunter? Yeah. He took I mean, down Kong. I mean, with what? That's why they I mean, call the, him the trophy hunter and not a poacher, because a trophy hunter is after the trophy. Okay, but you know, how is he? he uh, he's not after the if parts to the sell. The military was after him, and they used rockets know, and stuff, rockets and, really... and tanks, mm-hmm. and so everything. What's one trophy what is hunter a trophy use? hunter going to? A civilian going to be able to obtain? You mean what is he bringing to the table to yeah. take down Kong? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he's <laughs> maybe he's Iron Man second hand, and he has all these like specialized like weapons. He's thrift that store rich. Iron Man. You know, I mean, you, you never know. I mean, hello, it's the whole secret of the whole like second universe underneath the Earth and all that. So it's all crazy. Oh, and by the way, they they list the uh, creatures in here. One of them's named is Doug. I love it, <laughs> Doug. Doug. I, love uh, it. I I think it's goofy, Doug. <laughs> I mean, reminiscent of up. Uh, yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, we got to take a break. If you'd like to be a part of this goofy conversation about <laughs> Doug, seven seven five five one five four one four one. We still got a lot of show for you. We still got movies to get to, more news to get to, as well as the upcoming release lists, as well as our big interview with Lisa Morton and the Art of the Zombie movie book that she just wrote and released on October 1st which you can pick up everywhere books are available literally everywhere books are available and we'll be right back with more right after this Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. Why do people send me weird stuff? Uh, Kermitzilla. 
<laughs> is Kermit looking like Godzilla? Godzilla. Nice. Yeah, no, it's not. It's traumatizing. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I was reading an article about uh, Godzilla X, uh, Godzilla X Kong, mm-hmm. uh, the new empire, and the uh, prequel comic book Godzilla X Kong, Kong the Hunted. And I got to the part where a trophy hunter will take center stage in this comic as they try to trap Kong. But as you can imagine, his mission will not go as planned. A twisted skull island trophy hunter baits his trap and sets his sights on the biggest game of all deep within the hollow earth in the official prequel graphic novel to the upcoming film Godzilla X Kong The New Empire. I wonder if that's how they plan on using this as kind of a launch pad to explain uh, Orangakong. I guess they're calling it because <laughs> the, uh, the have you seen any of the trailers for Godzilla X Kong? No. Oh, uh, there's apparently going to be a big orangutan looking Kong. Oh, huh. As a uh, main villain, but not really because apparently there's a uh, pseudo version of Space Godzilla that is kind of mind controlling him to do things. Okay, so you have uh, so you have uh, King Louis from the Jungle Book on steroids being controlled by a Space Godzilla kind of. Okay. That, that's uh, at least what it, uh, what the stuff I've heard about it anyway. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping the the legendary series that's coming out maybe will explain some stuff too. Yeah, hopefully. Um well, I wonder if they that's what they're doing is using this to to to, to kind of work in how everything actually progresses. Well, because progresses. I know Godzilla is supposed to feature in that. So, yeah. Uh, according to the publisher, this comic is set to debut before Godzilla X Kong: The New Empire debuts in 2024. Fans will be able to pledge money through Kickstarter if they wish to acquire an exclusive hardcover edition of the prequel. There's also another project being crowdfunded in this Kickstarter. Legendary Comics is raising money to print MonsterVerse Declassified. The comic will feature several fan favorite titans from the MonsterVerse, including one you've never not you've not yet met. Well, how can it be how a fan, be fan favorite? favorite. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Discover the legends of four fan favorite titans, Doug, Behemoth, <laughs> and Tiamat, plus one to be revealed titan. The book's description reads, join Bernie Hayes as he takes writer, readers down the rabbit hole to reveal classified monarch secrets and ancient monster myths in the first ever MonsterVerse anthology. When it comes to funding, you can donate any amount of money to this prequel campaign, and you can... Check out the full donation details at kickstarter.com backslash legendarycomics. So another uh, collector's alert and spoilers. So uh, if you don't like spoilers. 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 Just imagine that going off in your ear the whole time. Spoilers. 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 Uh, Transformers number one is selling out at comic book shops around the country already. And yesterday, Image Comics announced that the Skybox Entertainment title would be heading back to the comic book shops with a second printing. Wow. Uh, so you definitely want to get the first printing. And here's why. Readers are finally getting to read the first issue of the hugely anticipated title. And they're already surprised to see a major character death shaking the Autobots. <gasps> I know. It's mostly surprising because it comes in a shocking offhanded way. As part of a retelling of the Transformers origin story, ooh, another retelling of an origin story, which means that barring a revival of some kind, fans will not get to see this character interact with the new comic at all. Oh, gosh, that's devastating. Mm, I know. Uh, the issue opens with, uh, you can tell I'm just devastated by it, right? 
uh, opens with Autobots seemingly inactive inside of their ship, which is hidden inside of the side of a mountain. Starscream arrives, and things go from bad to worse pretty quickly. The issue for both Transformers and humans is far from a bloodless affair. Arriving at the Autobot ship, Starscream almost immediately shoots Bumblebee in the head, (laughs) destroying part of his face. No! While Bumblebee is stuck in sleep mode. Yeah, actually, that that is canon in the uh, in the t- in Dear. the Star Transformers universe because Dear. they because they crashed <laughs> <laughs> they crashed in prehistoric Earth, and in fact, uh, Beast Wars actually takes place on prehistoric Earth. And um, technically, until yeah. you get into the uh, whole ser- like that last uh, Cybertron War or whatever it was that Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, where yeah. the Beast Wars are, were actually taking place in the future, right. but then uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, really but weird. there was a time travel shenanigans and all that shenanigans shenanigans yeah because the um because uh, uh, the the big bad guy who was megatron uh, galvatron Gal- uh, no in beast wars he was the, the one the guy who could transform into a t-rex no uh, idea yeah but uh, his name his name is eluding me but he actually his name da- is eluding me that's a weird name for yeah i know isn't it <laughs> but uh he damages optimus prime so the entire there's an entire episode of them trying to repair optimus prime while he's still in sleep mode Okay, well, he blew his face off in sleep mode. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the star scream going there—that's a new one. That's that's just that's just an ouch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before anybody else can be killed, Optimus Prime wakes up and manages to ex machina. I mean, repel Star Scream. Uh, but when he goes uh, back to check on Bumblebee, his suspicions are confirmed. His friend is gone. Bumblebee has been a key part of the Transformers movies for 15 years now and a lead character in animated series based on the property. He is the only Transformer to have his own standalone movie. They also use his potential death as a major plot point in the recent Transformers Rise of the Beasts, (laughs) Touch Brown, in which Bumblebee (laughs) seemingly died, only to be revived a few scenes later. Another possibility is that the character will be revived as Goldbug. Hmm. I also think he returned back to his beetle. Yeah, the name that and altered appearance he took on after being seriously injured in Transformers the movie. The Goldbug identity was part of a broader movement to add new characters during and after the movie, providing Hasbro with more options in terms of toys. Well, that's that's why they killed off so many Autobots in the original uh, Transformers animated movie was to make yep. room for a new generation of. Uh, uh, of uh, action of uh, action figure lines, so that is why that is a collector's alert. So if you want to uh, go ahead and pick that up, uh, like I said, get the first edition before it sells out at your local comic book shop. Yep. Speaking of comic book shops, I went by uh, <coughs> Dreamo. Uh, yep, and uh, really cool Halloween decorations up right now. Yeah, they have some on the outside too. Yeah, you should go check it out. It's really awesome. So you drove by there too. <laughs> uh, from the comic books being released October 11th, at least here I highlight the number one issues and or major story or anniversary issues that are being released because those are the ones that have the most value interest to collectors and investors. Don't base your buying decisions solely on my opinion. It, after all, is only my opinion. To keep this list to a minimum, I do not include in a trade paperbacks, graphic novel collections, hardcover, softcover volumes, or reprints. If you are an independent comic book company or creator and have something coming out, please let me know by sending me an email at popculturekaboom at gmail.com. Put upcoming comics in the subject line and include in the body of the email the publisher's name, the title of the books, when the books will be coming out, and the issue numbers. Very important so that I can add the the books in the future. First up from Ablaze Publishing, St. Sia Knights of the Zodiac Time Odyssey number one with a bank-busting 10 cover variants. 
Yeah, that's definitely manga. The, the title. <laughs> it's very long. Yes. American mythology. It's like they just picked words. <laughs> that, a lot of Japanese titles are like that. Uh, American Mythology Productions has Night of the Living Dead Kin, number one, with a wall-busting six cover variants. Witch Hammer, number one, not like W-H-I-C-H, but there's actually W-I-T-C-H. Oh, that's what I figured. Oh, okay. Just, <laughs> words are important. Uh, with four cover variants, Archie Comic Publications has Chilling Adventures Presents Welcome to Riverdale, number one, with two cover variants. Blood Moon Comics has Comic Book Trivia, number one. Signal 29, number one, one shot. And Simon Says, with a Z, number one of 12, with three cover variants. From Dark Horse Comics has Operation Sunshine, number one, with four cover variants. Space Yusagi Yukaya Hunter, number one, one shot, with three cover variants. DC Comics has Batman City of Matin Madness, number one of three, with four cover variants. Wesley Dodds the Sandman, number one of six, with four cover variants. Dynamite Entertainment. Uh, here uh, we go. <laughs> they got two titles coming out this week. Uh-oh. Army of Darkness Forever, number one, Ooh. with Spencer. Uh, I'll, I'll go conservative and go 13 just because of the number. Rob? 22. Okay. We both were not that far off. 17. Mm. Oh, uh, bank busting 17 cover variants. <laughs> Garbage Pail Kids Trashing Through Time, number one, with... 19. Rob? 26. Uh, surprisingly, uh, only a bank busting 11 cover huh. variants. But so well, they, they went cheap on the Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah, they did. But, uh, you know, if they didn't have two titles coming out, that would have been 27 titles, probably for one of them. Mm-hmm. So... Mm. Fair Square Comics has Zom Vikings, number one of two, with two cover variants. Gold Key Entertainment has Boris Karloff's Golden Gold, Gold Key Mysteries, number one, which is actually a reprint of the original um, Gold Key Mysteries that featured Boris Karloff. But yeah, so still it's, cool. It's, so it's kind of like one of those facsimile things? But it's not a facsimile. Um, it doesn't say, um, if it, but I, I highly doubt it. It sounds like they put regular ads in there. And it might actually be more than one issue in the mysteries number one. IDW Publishing has Sonic the Hedgehog Halloween Special number one with four cover variants. Star Trek Day of Blood number one. It's a comic book. But so if someone please explain to me why they have to have a director's cut for a comic book. (laughs) Anyway, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures Halloween Special number one. With a wallet-busting six cover variants. Image Comics has a Haunted Girl, number one of four, with a wallet-busting five cover variants. Destiny Gate, number one of four, with three cover variants. And Knights, number one, uh, N-I-G-H-I-T-S, not K-N-I-G-H. Number one. Marvel Comics has Captain Marvel Assault on Eden, number one, with four cover variants. Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos, number Hmm. one, uh, with four cover variants. Moon Knight versus Werewolf by Night Marvel Tales number one with two cover variants and Robert at Dreamo oh, Comics if you're listening. Yeah, can you put one aside for me, poor favor? Superior Spider-Man Returns number one one shot, but I guess for only one comic book for, with four cover variants. Massive has American Psycho number one of four with a bank busting ten cover variants. Hmm. Oni Press has Rick and Morty presents. Fricky Friday, number one, with three cover variants. 
It's like the like the cartoon. They have to put Rick in there yeah. somewhere, so it has it's Fricky. Fricky Freddy, yeah. Uh, so, um, Scratch Comics has Claudia Christensen's Dark Legacies number one. Udon Entertainment, uh, Claudia Christian. You know who that is, right? No. Uh, she was in uh, Babylon 5. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm saying her name right. It made me question it for a second. Uden Entertainment, Dark Stalkers, Hishinko, number one, with four cover variants. Oh, Senko, yeah. And that is all that is coming out this week. So it looks like One Piece is about to take over the global stage in a new way, not long after its first live-action TV series went live. Live-action TV series went live. One Piece is ready to expand even further. After all, the team at Toei Animation has secured Monkey D. Luffy a spot at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade with a balloon of his own. That makes sense with his power set. Yeah. Not really, because he just he's like Plastic Man. Not well, well, yeah, but but you, you know, you fill you fill Plastic Man with enough helium, he'll float. <laughs> they would have been better off doing a float, not a balloon. <laughs> yeah, huh? Oh, yeah, I guess it's all in words matter. Uh, yes, that is right. Luffy is going to appear in this year's biggest Thanksgiving Day parade. Toei Animation has commissioned a massive balloon for handlers to parade across New York City. New York City. One Piece fans can expect to see Luffy take on the city skyline on Thanksgiving this year. So you won't want to miss the Macy's Parade for a minute. After all, there's more going on at on at the Holiday Parade than just One Piece. As we know, Toei Animation tackled the holiday event several years back with help from Son Goku. The star of Dragon mm-hmm. Ball was gifted his own Macy's Thanksgiving Day Per, to make Thanksgiving Day a tribute on the heels of Dragon Ball Super Superhero. A balloon of Super Saiyan Blue Goku has been found in the New York City Parade for several years now. Between the Saiyan and the, and the parade's Pokemon float, anime is slowly yet surely taking over the pageant. So at this point, don't be surprised if we see all, see, if we see all Might crush the parade one year. All Might crush. All Might is Crash uh, probably, yeah. the parade one yeah. year. Okay. Words matter. Uh, for those unfamiliar with Luffy's role at Toei Animation, I'm not going to go into it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, it would be to put things lightly to call him a legend. Luffy is the, is the lead of the One Piece and the, yep, captain, the captain of the, of the Straw, Straw Hat, Hat crew. Pirates. Yep. Uh, the pirate lead, the pirate leads the best-selling manga of all time, and One Piece has has had a massive resurgence in the past few years, from its anime to its Netflix adaptation. One Piece is bigger than now than ever, so it is only fitting for Luffy to get his own Thanksgiving Day cameo. So, you guys heard of a Bad Idea Comics, right? Uh, yeah, I am aware of their existence. Yes. Okay. So last year, Bad Idea got fans to protest against Bad Idea at New York Comic Con in return for <laughs> exclusive comic books. Uh, there were placards and everything stating "Stop Bad Idea." It was a very, very silly indeed. So how are they going to top that this year? Well, they have two convention exclusive comics: Mission Go, a Tanker Story number one, and Save Now, a New York Comic Con number one. But of course, there where other companies are just happy to sell you comics. Or even give them away. For bad idea, you have to work for your New York Comic Con swag. Or rather, run. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, 
Come by the Bad Idea booth, number 3641, at one of the four designated times and secure your racing bib. They will assign to you three locations on the convention floor to race to. A Bad Idea representative will be at each location, but only one of them will have the redemption sticker you need. Race to the locations until you've located the redemption sticker, then return to booth 3641. You only have 10 minutes to complete the task. Hmm. If you, I see this going bad wow. in so many different ways. Well, that's why they're called bad idea. <laughs> Pun intended, no, apparently. That's, you have so much other things to do at a Comic-Con than that. Than uh, track and field events? Yeah. Uh, to complete, if you return within that time, you will have earned a copy of Save Now, New, New York Comic-Con number one. Get writer Matt Kent to hand letter custom one-to-one of one captions into your copy and make it a complete unique story. Hmm. Okay. And uh, But it is now time for that top of the hour break. If you missed any part of the show so far, you can go and check it out on the Pop Culture Kaboom podcast produced by 97 to Now Productions and is available on all of your favorite podcast platform. I will be right back with more Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. We still got a whole bunch of stuff to get to movies and we still got our big interview with Lisa Morton and courtesy of Carson Valley Florist. If you call within the next 20 minutes, then you can get yourself a special Halloween themed floral bouquet. So call 775-515-4141 from anywhere in the world. Actually, Probably in northern Nevada would be best. (laughs) (laughs) But they do deliver, I guess. But anyway, call now, 775-515-4141 to get that floral Halloween-themed floral bouquet from Carson Valley Florist. And we'll be right back with more right after this. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. And we're talking about Bad Idea and the bad idea they have at the New York Comic Con coming up next week. And, actually, and uh, they're going to be uh, giving you the opportunity to get two comic books. And uh, actually, one, actually, Save Now New York City Comic Con number one. And you can get it custom lettered, at least one of the... Uh, Dialogue bubbles anyway. Um, they have left several captions blank, and writer Matt Kent can, has graciously agreed to personally hand letter dialogue into the, your copy, making each and every copy of Save Now New York City Comic Con number one a unique story. They will have 200 copies of the comic available at the show. The second comic, Mission Go, a tanker story number one, is a little easier to get a copy of. Just go to their panel <laughs> from hmm. from eight forty five p.m. to ten forty five p.m. You'll be a lot I less winded. That is uh, um, Pacific Standard Time on the Saturday. Uh, is it worth uh, sacrificing two hours of your Saturday night uh, for a comic book? I would say yes. Um, just for the fact that they're hand captioning it. I mean, if it was just the that's comic the one you got to run around for. Yeah. Yeah, but but going to the one to the panel, you'd be a lot less winded afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I see what you're saying. So do the run around, get the thing, and then go to the panel Mm -hmm. and take a rest. Make sure you have your water. (laughs) At least you get something. I mean, but they do it that one San Diego Comic-Con. They had, like, the zombie marathon where you didn't get anything, but you had to 
race well, around see, I would San not, Diego zombies. <laughs> I would not participate if I wasn't getting anything out of it besides a cardio workout. That, right? Yeah. yeah. That is just not That's how, what I'm saying. That's like, not how I roll. Well, that's what I'm saying. At least you're getting something out of this one. Yeah. So Riot Games is gearing up for the 2023 League of Legends World Championship as they have launched this year's Anthem with a music video attached. The new anthem for this year's event is called Gods, and it was written by Riot Games' principal composer, Sebastian Nijand and Alex Sever of Mako. Sever of Mako? Uh, Their previous work includes co-writing credits on Legends Never Die, Rise, Awaken, and multiple songs on the Arcane soundtrack. As for the performers of the track, the company got K-pop group New Jeans, to perform the song, which has gone live on YouTube to, uh, with an all-new animated music video as well as on multiple music platforms. The video itself is basically a tribute of sorts to esports players as they fight each other. No, not really. That would make it interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, to make it to the top, featuring a stylized take on the 2022 finals between T1 and DRX. Enjoy the video. Uh, along with more information from Riot as Worlds will kick off on October 10th and run through November 19th. Mm-hmm. So let's get to the cons and events that are coming or that are happening this week worldwide from October 9th until October 15th. I cannot stress enough that if you do not go to these, go to these events, they will stop happening or will not return to your area. So if you're thinking, I'll go next week, next month, next year, they might not happen near you ever again, period. If one or more of these are near you, go check them out. And if they are not, check your local game, hobby, and comic book shops for great events going on in your area. If you have or know of a pop culture event coming up in your area that I can add to my list, please contact me at popculturekaboom.gmail.com. Put an upcoming event in the subject line and in the body of the email. Please include the name of the event, the day or, date or dates it will be running, and where it will be taking place so I can add it to my list my upcoming list. Uh, please do not send me stuff for stuff that is actually happening the weekend that I'm having the show because it's already done. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah, at the time to... that we do our show. If it was like in the morning, maybe, but <laughs> yeah, no, it'd have to be like tomorrow morning. I mean, yeah. that's yeah, why so, I do it uh, from October yeah. 9th because tomorrow's the 9th. But yeah, if you're telling me that something's happening, you know, uh, October sixth and seventh. It's I can't Already read that. Yeah, you don't don't send me the email on the sixth to tell me this because I yeah I, I I won't be able to say anything about it. So first up, uh, October twelfth through the fifteenth is EGX London twenty twenty three at the Excel London London UK. October twelfth through the fifteenth is the New York Comic Con twenty twenty three at the Jacob K Javits Center New York New York. Uh, October 13th through the 15th is the Alamo City Furry Invasion 2023 at the Marriott San Antonio Airport, San Antonio, Texas. October 13th through the 15th is Bangor Comic and Toy Con 2023 at the Cross Insurance Center in Bangor, Maine. October 13th through the 15th is Monster Mania Con 2023 at the Delta Hotels Baltimore Hunt Valley, Hunt Valley, Maryland. October 13th through the 15th is Nightmare Weekend Richmond 2023 at the Greater Richmond Convention Center in Richmond, Virginia. October 13th through the 15th is Polaris 2023 
at the Hamburg Messe und Congress, Hamburg, Germany. I should have left that one for you. <laughs> October 13th through the 15th is ValleyCon 2023 at the Holiday Inn Fargo in Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. October 13th through the 15th is VisionCon 2023 at the Springfield Expo Center in Springfield, Missouri. That sounds like the optometrist convention right there. It does, or a different kind of transformer. That's why I did the VisionCon. October 13th through the 15th is WasabiCon uh-huh. at the Prime F. Osborne III Convention Center in Jacksonville, Florida. That was spicy. <laughs> spicy. Uh, October 14th is the Anime Land 2023 at the North County Mall in Espinito, California. Escondido. That too. October 14th is <laughs> Ekman's Card, Comic, and Toy Show 2023 at the San Antonio Shrine Auditorium. In San Antonio, Texas, October 14th, 2023, at the Evansville Con 2023, at the Double Tree by Hilton, Evansville, Evansville, Indiana. October 14th is FumaCon at the, I shall let this one for you too, Guyana Marriott Hotel, Georgetown, Georgetown, Guyana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And then October 14th is uh, Lusaka Comic Con in. Mulungushi International Conference Center in Lusaka, Zambia. Okay. Uh, where is Zambia? Uh, Africa, I believe. Okay. Zambia. <laughs> Sounds like a movie. October 14th is Netsukon at uh, 2023 at the Copper Memorial Library in Claremont, Florida. October 14th is also the Old Bridge, Old Bridge Comic Book Expo 2023 at the Old Bridge Elks, Old Bridge, New Jersey. October 14th is the Sunnydale Homecoming 2023 at the Torrance High School, Torrance, California. Yay. October 14th is also Toy Ho Toy Show <laughs> 2023 at the Metroplex Expo Center in Girard, Ohio. And October 14th through the 15th is Anime Wonder Festival 2023 at the Kennedy Park, Tucson, Arizona. October 14th through the 15th is the Beaumont Comic Con at the Food Park Entertainment Complex in Beaumont, Texas. And this is going to be the last one you take it, Spencer. Uh, let's see. October 14th through the 15th is Brickfest Live Philadelphia 2023 in Greater Philadelphia Expo Center in Oaks, Pennsylvania. And those are a short list, actually. There was more. I just didn't feel like going on and on and on and on about them. <laughs> is that what, is what that boils down to? All right. So, Fancy Flight Games and Asmodo revealed when when they'll find when we'll finally see Star Wars Ultimate be released, as the game will drop this spring. After a few months of teasing, we now know the game will be released on March eighth, twenty twenty four which will include a base set and a booster for those looking to really delve in in at the start. This is a fast-paced strategic card game for everyone, whether you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, a longtime player of trading card games, or anywhere in between. In this game, you build a deck using cards you acquire from randomized booster packs, and each of these cards has different strengths, weaknesses, and abilities. The game is called Unlimited for a reason, with over 200 cards in the first set. I know that's, that. that's a <clears throat> impressive that's set. Ambitious. Don't don't they like the maximum I've ever heard of is like 150, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I said that's ambitious. So it's, it's 50 more. Uh, Spark of Rebellion alone. There are countless strategies and combinations just waiting to be discovered. Choose your leader. Build your deck. Ex- 
expand your collection and launch yourself into a galaxy of unlimited potential. The goal of the game is simple. Destroy your opponent's base before they do the same to you. Of course, there are numerous ways you can approach that goal. And the unlimited theme of the game means you can craft a deck that matches the exact game style you want. Each round consists of you and your opponent altering back and forth, uh, performing a single action each turn. Almost everything you do in the game is in action, such as playing a card, attacking with a unit, uh, you do in the game uh, activating an ability, etc., figuring out which action to use and at, uh, at a given time is a huge part of the game's strategy. And since your opponent can potentially respond to anything you do with their action, each round is dynamic and impossible to predict. Another strategic element to the game relates to your game, your play area, which is divided into two different arenas, a ground area and a space arena. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so each unit can only be played into one or the other, which means every battle in Star Wars Unlimited takes place on two separate fronts. Some cards are able to affect units in either arena. Leaders are powerful cards that can act as a centerpiece to your deck. A typical leader has both an undeployed side, where it starts the game, and a deployed side, which is also a unit. So, uh, very interesting um, and very collectible, too, uh, considering what's going on right now with uh, that uh, Disney one, Lacana. Yeah, yeah. So, being sold out everywhere and everything. So, this might be the next big thing. Yeah, and especially with like a two hundred cards to pick from, that's a that's a heck of a collection to have to build up. Yep. Um, speaking of collectibles, uh, the OP has another holiday themed board game out on the market this week, as they have released a special version of Operation, Ooh, Operation. featuring the Grinch. Yay! Putting his own spin on how the Grinch stole Christmas, the aptly named Operation the Grinch will have you trying to take his possessions. From inside him. I added the inside part. Um, it just says possessions from him. His heart, that's two sizes, too small. Uh, three. As, you, <laughs> as if they were on his person. But in the classic mode of operation, where, you, where you'll use the metal tweezers to reach in and try to take them without touching the sides and setting off the buzzer. You'll have to try to take 12 items off him, including a grinchy heel, a termite smile, a cuddly cactus... Some spider brains, a garlic soul, a rotten tomato, a seasick croc, a toadstool sandwich, a charming eel, a nasty wasty skunk, a greasy black peel, and a heart three sizes too small. Is it a super extravagant exaggeration of the tale just to get a product made? Sure. (laughs) I'd say it is. It's a cash grab, uh, but Mr. It's, Grinch. It's <laughs> very good. But it's also one of the few variations of Operation on the market that isn't just the same old very version of the original. Uh, mm-hmm. And this one looks like it, a real challenge. And if you're able to get it, it looks like it can be very, very collectible in the future. It reminds me of the one when they put out uh, for uh, Toy Story. They did? Mm-hmm. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, but I did not know that. Light year. Really? Yep. <laughs> they should have used, uh, what's his name? Woody. Yeah, I know. Yeah. A little scrawny guy. It'd be a lot harder. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so would you get this as a, you know, because it'd be, it'd be actually kind of cool. And not anymore because my kids aren't that age to play it. So I have no. I was talking kids. I have no kids. I'd get this to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking you, not your kids. I have, but I have, like I, like I said, I have the I have the Toy Story one. I actually have 
couple of <laughs> Okay. Spencer? Well, I would play it. I don't know if my daughter or my wife would play it with me. I know my sister wouldn't. She hates board games. But uh, it's Operation. Yeah, but then, yeah, but I would love that. And then you have, then you have the Grinch, the, the original Grinch stole Christmas. So you have, you know you have the you're a mean one, Mister Grinch. You know, going in the background would be that'd be a heck of a time. Um, it does not say anything about audio. Well, I know, <laughs> yeah, but you could play that on TV while you're doing that. See, oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Make uh-huh. it appear multimedia. Have a, have a, operation uh, just gets annoying. <laughs> it can. The buzz. Oh God. Okay. Try playing it drunk. <laughs> then it gets real annoying. <laughs> Shut up. And then you realize that you're actually operating on a guy who's still alive. <laughs> well, that's and awake. Theoret- well, yeah, I was going to say, theoret- theoretically, he should stay alive. He's, he's alive and awake. You know? Yeah, the and awake is the tough, is the scary bit. Yes. Yeah, that's the part that really, really chaps you after a while. He's like, oh, that's a scream of pain, not a buzzer. Anyway, uh, Crunchyroll Games is ramping up their, for their release of One Man Punch World as they are letting players... One Punch Man. Sorry. One Sorry. Punch you, Man. You went a little dyslexic there for a second. Oh, Punch One Man? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Freudian slip. Uh, one Punch Man World as they are... Because that's the world I want to live in, just punching people. Uh, you know, who can blame you, really? <laughs> as they are letting players sign up for both PC and mobile platforms, the game has been teased for months now as the company is bringing the beloved anime character, his friends, and the world they fight in all, all to the new mobile PC game that will have you reliving some of his greatest episodes. Now you can finally sign up to play the game as the team is planning a closed beta test to take place later this month, eager to be a hero for fun. Right now, players in the U.S. and Canada can sign up to participate in an exclusive closed beta test for a chance to check out the heroes, villains, and action of One Punch Man World. On Windows PC and Android sign-up, it will be closed on October 10th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time, with the closed beta test launching on October 18th at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Now, is that the actual launch, or is that when you actually have to start downloading it for three hours? <laughs> I mean, seriously. But anyway, uh, participation is limited. Those selected to save the world early will receive a selection email after sign-ups close. Um, I'm kind of wondering, okay, I got to look it up now because I want to know what kind of a game it is going to be. Like if it's a collectible card game or a real time strategy. Well, no, if it's going to be on PC, it's got to be, if if it's going to be like a, uh, an RPG or if it's going to be like a, uh, you know, like real time strategy or something like that. Or a fighting game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, world, co-world. Well, you know, who knows? These days you can have any kind of genre. I mean, mobile games are getting more and more. And see if it's mobile. I mean, that really makes it wonder if it's going to be, you know, what, what kind of game it's going to be. <clears throat> yeah, because they don't. you don't have a lot in the way of traditional fighting games on mobile so far. Because it just says action game. It doesn't say anything <laughs> other than action game, which is really confusing. It could be like well. a turn-based one. Yeah, or a or a beat 'em up, you know, like uh, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade well, the games. The graphics is kind of cool. Oh yeah, it looks like an MMO type uh, deal. Yeah. Anyway, I'll find that out uh, during the break. Don't go anywhere. More Paul Cozy Kaboom coming up right after this. So don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. And, and everything that I was able to find out about that, it looks like a, a beat-em-up kind of yeah, game. Yeah, 3D beat-em-up, yeah. So, which is okay, I guess. But you get to play as a character and then fight bosses and stuff like that. Or So it might be like a little mini RPG. Anyway, uh, each week the film powers that be release dozens of movies, some of which you will never hear about except here. Each week's upcoming releases are carefully picked over from Rotten Tomatoes. And up the five films are selected from genres that I would watch. And those genres are action, adventure, horror, science fiction, anime, or fantasy. And that is pretty much it. And with that in mind, we sit through some of the most hideous trailers ever made. And we'll read you the synopsis of each film, then give you our not-so-humble opinions. Bear in mind, we're not professional movie critics. We're just overly opinionated blowhards. But here at the Pop Culture Boom Radio Show, we do utilize a carefully crafted and patented movie rating system. And it goes as follows. If it is worth seeing in a theater at full price, it is a good, not a great. That is to be determined by you if you choose to see it in a theater. If it seems uh, worth uh, seeing as a matinee or in your town's cheap theater, it is a so-so. If it seems worth seeing on a streaming service or as a rental or however you choose to watch the film while avoiding social interaction, it is a blah. And if it is deemed so awful you should wait for it to be on public television, it is considered a touch brown. Because FCC regulations say we can't use profanity. So we got fab movies spanning from October 9th to October 15th. Um and uh, some real doozies here. I I, th- I guess you guys are really uh, really looking forward to some of these, right? Oh, completely. <laughs> All right, we're going to start off with the elderly. <laughs> Rose commits suicide. Rosa commits suicide. Okay, that's a. Uh, which That's is a start. Yeah, yeah. which is the catalyst for the progressive physical and mental deterioration of Manuel, her elderly husband, Mario, me Mario, her his son, <laughs> decides to bring him to live with his family despite the fierce opposition of his new wife who's expecting a baby. Now uh, his teenage granddaughter is the only one who trusts Manuel whose dementia is getting worse and worse by the day. The family's new living situation will continue to go rapidly downhill until it literally becomes a matter of life and death, leading to a dramatic denouncement, which will... Denouement. Whatever that means, which will take (laughs) place on the hottest day of the century. Hottest night of the century. Ultimate climax. Oh, ultimate climax. A dramatic ultimate climax. Yes. All righty then. Well, and after that synopsis, I guess I don't have to watch the movie. When you watch the trailer, though, uh, things escalate damn quickly. It goes from a suicide to ghost to murder to the end of the world in about one minute and 38 seconds. Seems like it has uh, some weird supernatural potential, but it's not a super, I'm not a supernatural horror guy, so I'm going to give it a touch brown. Spencer, what say you? You know, this, uh, this movie kind of has a theme for that, that all the other movies seem to have, and it's not one I'm a particular fan of. Basically, anybody who you, you, would, you would usually be protected by or cared for by, you can't trust anymore. You can't trust Grandpa now. You can't trust Grandma because they're all just, you know, out there to go and like, kill you and or eat you at some point. I mean, <laughs> it was a little unclear what their motivations were, but none of them were ha- None of them looked nonviolent. But... Um, you know, subtitles don't usually bug me, but uh, I don't know. For some reason, this just didn't feel. It, 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 it didn't feel like it fit. 
even though it is in Spanish. I guess it might be because I could actually understand a little bit of it. But, uh, you know, so it's like the, the subtitles kind of felt weird. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to touch brown this. I mean, I, there's just – I couldn't find anything that I could grab onto to help me try to want to watch this. Okay. Rob, what say you? Well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your opinion, I'm just not a fan of horror movies that take actual, like, real-life diseases and yeah. make them a horror movie. Like, dementia itself is scary. Like, if you've ever met somebody who has dementia, it is – it, it is scary. You don't know what you are facing every single day. And to kind of play on that and make this like a supernatural, I, I'm just not a fan of that. So to me, it was Touch Brown. Okay. Our first brown streak of the evening. All right. Up next is Dangerous Waters. And a sailing adventure spirals out of control in this tightly wound survival thriller. 19-year-old Rose lives a tough small-town life in Florida. <laughs> okay. With her single mother, Alma, uh, their luck seems to take a turn when Alma's new businessman boyfriend, Derek, whisks them away on a sailing adventure to Bermuda. This, never mind. While at sea, Derek's business, business in parentheses, is revealed to be less than legitimate when their boat is attacked by savage villains set on fire in Alma's is viciously killed. Distraught and per- persecuted by Derek and the captain, Rose unearths a primal instinct of survival and a terrifying need for vengeance. She will not yield until those responsible for her mother's murder are dead. Now, were you able to follow that? Because I did not make it up or uh, stumble over any of the words. That was read verbatim. Anyway, I don't know who thought this idea, but somehow it got lost in translation to film. I don't know what else to say about this other than uh, even in dangerous waters, poop floats. Touch brown. <laughs> Rob, what say you? Yes, uh, Dr. McSteamy becomes Dr. McSinky. Um, yeah, no. In a movie that is McStinky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, seriously? Like, this could have been done... Uh, I've seen this movie a couple times, done way better. <laughs> um, and without him. So, <laughs> um, Touch Brown. Okay. Spencer, what say you? Oh, now you can't trust the, you can't trust the, you know, you know the, the, the male f- figures in your life, obviously. Well, she didn't even know him, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so anybody. He knew something was going to happen, especially when the first line was. You don't even know him. Yeah. Why yeah. am I going to spend time on a boat with somebody I don't know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, it's like, so you know how every movie, every horror movie, the main characters allowed one really bad decision before it just gets really stupid. I think we just got that in the trailer, and then they just kept adding on. And <laughs> touch brown. I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's there's nothing that grabbed me on this. Oh, one. two streaks right off the bat. Next is Herd, as in H-E-R-D. When Jamie Miller and his wife, and her wife, Alex Kenya, try to save their failing marriage by going on a canoe trip in rural Missouri. I could not tell that, that where they were, that's where they were, or that they were canoeing. Wow, okay. Anyway, they find themselves stranded after an accident in a desert. I'm not kidding you. There's no deserts in Missouri. Anyway, Alex breaks her leg during a canoe flip, and they must slowly make their way to the nearest small town for help, which apparently is in a different time zone. Upon arriving, (laughs) they find it has been overrun by virus-infested hips. (laughs) Durs. No. uh, (laughs) Heps. Like like hepatitis. (laughs) (laughs) Pink eye. 
wing and extreme right wing local militias who are battling oh, them. Yeah. Ooh, of course, there's got to be that. The leader of one of these groups, Big John Gruber. <laughs> Big John Gruber. <laughs> uh, shuffle, shuttles them to safety at his bunker. But when they're but they are where, where they are welcomed by a seemingly friendly group of locals. But after witnessing personal and gruesome horrors, the women know they must escape. Jamie and Alex now find themselves on the run, caught between a, the group that saved them, a competing militia, and the growing infected hipster threat. <laughs> <laughs> I just made. You that faced up, that. That was the nineties. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough time. I yeah. lived through it, man. I got battle scars, uh, man. All right. Thousands, thousand yard scale, thousand yard stare from the PTSD, man. In the latest Walking Dead spinoff, just kidding. But the similar similarities are there. Just once in a horror movie, I would like to see what would happen if everyone didn't turn into something other than a mass of no one else matters but me. Even in the face of a species-ending crisis, regrettably, I have I have to give this one a touch brown. Spencer, what say you? This is a movie that I think. It's trying to do too much all at once. You know, you have the, uh, oh, of course it's a right, it's a right wing, uh, you know, militia. I mean, why wouldn't it be? And then of course you have, and have you noticed that people are really trying to avoid using the Z word when it, when it comes to movies like this, you know, the walking dead, you know, they're walkers, you know, and all that, you know, nobody's using the word zombie anymore. Zombie. Yeah. And, I think this one's just trying way too hard, and I am so tired of the right-wing militia trope. And, of course, you can't trust law enforcement. You can't trust the sher- the local sheriffs. Or anybody. Or anybody. Yeah, so, touch at around. The, at the end of the world, yeah, nobody matters. All right, Rob, what's it, what say you? Um, sure, we have another zombie movie, because we need another zombie movie. Like, we need another zombie TV show. Touch Brown. I'm just so sick of zombie <laughs> movies. All right. The streak of three is alive. Three, three brown streaks for the first three movies. We've still got two more. Dear David. Shortly after comic artist Adam responds to internet trolls, he begins experiencing sleep paralysis while an empty rocking chair moves in the corner of his apartment as he chronicles increasingly malevolent occurrences in a series of tweets, Adam begins to believe he is being haunted by the ghost of a dead child named David. Encouraged by his boss to continue the Dear David thread, thread Adam starts to lose his grip on what is online and what is real. Based on the viral tweeter thread by BuzzFeed comic artist Adam Ellis. Inspired by actual events. They can't be serious about that. I mean, how did I miss this on the news cycle, and why wasn't it covered? I'm not sure what the messaging in this film is. Don't troll online trolls, or weird supernatural stuff will start happening to you. If that were the case, my house would be the most haunted place on earth. (laughs) True story there. I can't seem, uh, I can't seem for some reason, no matter how hard I try, to track what exactly is going on in this tale. Is he writing stuff and then and then it, it comes true? Is he writing stuff that somehow haunts him in reality? If either if either is the what are the case, why was there no fire? Because that's what the tweet that started the whole thing in the first place. Interestingly, interesting enough to watch at some point, just not at a theater. I'm actually going to give it a blow. Really? Wow. Rob, wow. what say you? So here's another one where we take a real life, you know, 
thing that happens if you go sleep paralysis. It's which if you if you knew anything about it, it's terrifying. Um, and I'm not familiar with this guy's tweets at all about the viral, you know, what's going on. So I'm not quite sure. It it wasn't quite sure where this was going. Was it like more about his having sleep? Like I'm, I'm what intrigues me most. And I know it sounds stupid is the fact that I want to know what the tweets were really about. Was it about him having sleep paralysis? <laughs> was it, having, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, no, it was weird, but I have no interest in seeing the movie. So <laughs> touch Brown. Okay. Spencer, what say you, you know, there are, Two terms that make me automa- almost automatically want me to uh, not see a mo- make me not want to see a movie. The first one is the inspired or based on a true story, and in this one's case, BuzzFeed presents. I have no sympathy for anybody from BuzzFeed. Wow. Okay. Uh, no, just uh, as a company, they're just not. They're just a no bueno company, and. And the the guy, you know, he's a very unlikable protagonist in the trailer. And, you know, oh, sometimes you just got to troll the trolls. It's like, I just, I've just always been taught, you know, ignore them. Yeah. And, and apparently if he, did, if he did, there wouldn't have been a movie. And the world would have been better off. Touch Brown. Wow. <laughs> All right. Which brings us to the... Supposed five four hundred pound gorilla in the room this week. <laughs> the forty with the forty ounce uh, forty monkey. ounce monkey, uh, which is fifteen cameras. Um, when Cam and Sky bought their du- duplex, it seemed like the perfect investment opportunity for a young couple: a starter home, a mortgage offset by renters, and even a guest room for Sky's sister Caroline. But as Sky and Cam slowly uncover hidden cameras and secrets of the duplex's previous owner. Obsession consumes their marriage, and they both fall into destructive forms of voyeurism. When new tenants move in downstairs, their fixation with observing others has deadly consequences, as they are forced to confront the very things they have been consumed by. I don't understand that last statement at all. (laughs) That last sentence is confusing to me. Anyway, uh, that is an oddly specific number of cameras. Uh, The trailer takes you on a weird ride through the urban legend of landlords filming their tenants, and though I do believe it is something that could happen, honestly, when was the last time you heard of it happening? I don't know who picked the music for this trailer either, but it did not fit at all for something that is supposed to be creepy and a topic that gets under your skin, especially if you're a renter. It shouldn't have had such an upbeat musical underlay. It is distracting to me to the point that I lost interest in the trailer, but it did seem kind of interesting for a bit. I might watch it, just not in the theater, and hope that song isn't in the actual movie. I'll actually give it a blah. Spencer? Well, you know, again, just the people, I know that it's probably just like they devolve over the, 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 the space of the movie. But in the trailer, they just made him so unlikable. You have this guy just staring at everybody, staring through people's windows. You have the the wife just being the wife or the sister or somebody just sitting there, just popping popcorn, going, "Oh yeah, this is terrible." Now I understand why my mom hated it when I was watching watching TV and just kind of zoned out, and she would just go go, go pay attention. And and of course, oh, the, the serial killer's death was never confirmed, so you know he's going to pop up. 
towards the end to kind of as deus ex machina look at the evil thing so we can, everybody can be forgiven and and the fact that i can tell all this from the trailer makes me not want to see it because it just has no it just doesn't sound like an interesting story to me so i i I'm full touch brown streak this this week i i don't usually do that yeah rob's on the same pathway uh rob what say you uh, will it be a, uh, <laughs> a five street day for you as well? Um, we've seen this vacancy, the rental, and the synopsis did not match with the with the trailer because in the trailer, like they had to have somebody tell them that their house was, yeah. you know, put on by some obsession, the landlord killer or something like that. I don't know. Who drove a white van because they always do. That's what I thought was hilarious. Well, it didn't say free candy on the side, so <laughs> it should have. It, it was just like it just seemed stupid. And another like pointless, like we needed to make a movie because we needed to. So for me, touch brown. Okay, wow. Yeah, Both well, of you guys streaked everything touch brown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of the three of us, Jimmy is the one who didn't do the full touch brown streak. Yeah. Do you know how weird that is? We had nothing to work with. It's, it's scary. <laughs> All right. It's uh, time for us to take that hard break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more Pop Culture Kaboom right after Dish. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. And we just got done with the movies, uh, and believe it or not, uh, 15 cameras, which was the uh, 40-pound uh, monkey in the room this week, uh, got uh, a blah for me, and Robin Spencer gave a touch browns. Dear David, got a blah for me, and touch browns from Robin Spencer. Uh, and then heard Dangerous Waters and The Elderly, the last three movies, all got touch browns, so it has been a bad week for movies. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No wonder Tony didn't join us this week. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, I see he, what it was. He, he, he wasn't like a, busy. He yeah, was I, scared. I, I got to work. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> All right, next week, uh, October 16th through October 22nd, we have Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls, the Canterville Ghost, uh, isn't it, we need been, to remake that one again again that trick never works Malibu Horror Story Kill Her right? uh, it's two words but they put it together so it's like kill her mm-hmm. like somebody from Alabama said it hmm. and Soulmates but that's two words so very okay. weird um, but those are the movies next week at least for now so we'll see how cool. that actually plays yeah. out when it comes around right all right, so uh, Adult Swim has shared many shorts over the years that fans have wanted to see get a full series order of their own, and the creator behind the Come and Learn with Pibby revealed an unfortunate update about its potential future despite how much support it's gotten from fans over the last few years. As part of a special celebration of the spooky holiday, spooky Halloween holiday in 2021, Adult Swim debuted a surprising short title, Come and Learn with Gibby, about a children's cartoon character who soon finds out she needs a, to fight off a greater darkness than she's ever faced before. Okay, um, that's very opaque. Uh, the okay. short incorporated many series, many series from Cartoon Network's libraries, uh, library as Pibby 
and her ragtag group can cross the multiverse to escape a dark static monster and was such a hit with fans that they were hoping to see Adult Swim pick it up for a full series order, much like they have for other successful animated shorts, Smiling Friends being a recent example from around the same time. In the past, uh, but Pibby creator Doug Dodge Greenlee shared an unfortunate update with fans that Pibby has still not been greenlit, and it doesn't look like it will happen in the near future. Taking to Instagram to share an unfortunate update with fans of the cult's short, Greenlee stated, I have sad news to share. I'm sorry to say that Gibby has still not been greenlit, and it doesn't look like it will happen in the near future. Making a show is a long, difficult process, and you can never say never. But for now, it looks like Gibby most likely won't become a show. I'm sorry to all the fans. Thank you for all your support. Uh, Thanking thanking those behind the project for their help. Uh, The update is likely not what many Gibby fans had been hoping for. You know there's YouTube. Uh, that's all I got to say. Well, about yeah, that. you don't make, have to make settle your for oh, right. I mean, that's how um, Cobra Kai was a YouTube show that got landed on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do but that, there, buddy. Maybe he needs the money. Maybe you know, did in order to even produce the YouTube show, then so. do a Kickstarter. If he has, if there's that big of a fan following, they would support it. And it's a, yeah, yeah. So there's always. But you got to put yourself out there. Yeah, where there's a will, there's a way. And right now, he doesn't seem to have the will. Or, or, or apparently maybe he has way. something else on his uh, going coming up too. That's possible. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, we're just kind of guessing now, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, but uh, that's my thoughts on that. If if you really think it's uh, if it's got that much fan support and it's something that they want to see put out there, put it out there as a Kickstarter and see what happens. Um, you know, or like uh, Dustin Ferguson does, and just have somebody uh, fund it if they want. So, uh, what is worth watching on television the week of Sunday, October 8th at 9 9 p.m.? That's tonight through Sunday, October 15th at 5 p.m. According to TV Guide, I only include what I would watch, which means that it has to be considered new to either a network in terms of a movie or original programming. And it also must fall into the categories of action, adventure, science fiction, horror, anime, and or fantasy. Sometimes I'll let a reality show slide in there. If it is something I think is worth watching, like about aliens or the supernatural or just some good science stuff like robot fights, that's always fun stuff to watch. Bear in mind, I do not include streaming services since you can generally binge watch the season in a day. If you have a suggestion for a show that I should add, send me an email at popculturegaboom at gmail.com. Put suggested show in the subject line and include the name of the show, what channel it airs on, the time and day it airs, and I will add it if it fits the aforementioned requirements. So first up, tonight, Sunday, October 8th at 9 p.m. on Fox's Bob's Burgers. AMC is The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon. At 9.30 p.m. on Fox's Family Guy. You know that uh, right when they announced that the writer's strike was over, boom, those shows popped back up on the TV. They always <laughs> have, like, a late, like, like season, though. They always are, like... Right around yeah. October, and I'm sure I'm sure they yeah, they held them back just specifically for that as well for the the spooky season. True, because there's been multiple times where The Simpsons' first episode was Halloween. Yeah, the Treehouse of Horror. Yeah. yeah, so okay. <laughs> uh, Monday, October 9th at nine eight p.m. on USA is Monday Night Raw, and at nine p.m. on the History Channel is Ancient Aliens, which is kind of funny now considering all of the talk lately. Mm. And that's it. Tuesday, October 10th at 5.30 p.m. on Nickelodeon is Monster High. At 8 p.m. on TBS is All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. On USA is WWE Next. Uh, 9 p.m. on The CW is The Swarm. 
Mm-hmm. And then you can go to sleep. Wednesday, October 11th at 5 p.m. on Nickelodeon is Monster High. At 8 p.m. on NBC is Quantum Leap. At 9 p.m. on Cartoon Network is Bob's Burgers. And on USA is Chucky. At Chucky. 10, Chucky. Chucky. Okay. At 10 p.m. on FX is American Horror Story Delicate. It, it, it is their season premiere. Yeah, that that didn't they, use, premiered. didn't they use scabs for that one? No, but it was not. It it was well, it has filming that, during uh, yeah, and Kim Kardashian's in it. But it's not their premiere actually premiered. To, uh, and scab is not usually a word that's used for her. <laughs> true, it's for me. Whoa, <laughs> I can't stand her. She uh. she's detrimental to Armenians. <laughs> Um, being one, I can say that. Hey, yeah, <laughs> no, no judgment over here. I no. mean, um, but yeah, no, but it, it's actually premiered. Like, I want to say this is going to be episode three. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, TV guy lied. Yeah. FXX as Archer, and it is the final season of Archer. I'm so sad about that one. Thursday, October twelfth. Nothing. Not not even like The Walking Dead. Earl no, from Thursday Zim- is um, Earl Lower Decks. From- what on Paramount? What, what was that? Thursday is Lower Decks on Paramount. Oh, yeah. Oh, that didn't pop up. All right. Yeah. I mean, isn't there a Walking Dead with a guy named Bob from Illinois or something at this point? I mean, they have, how many how many spinoffs do they have of The Walking Dead now? Mm, there's Daryl Dixon. There's Fear the Walking Dead. City is the or Dead City or whatever. Yeah. The weird, like, airplane episode that was, like, done in, like, six-minute episodes or something like that. Yeah, the YouTube, oh. the YouTube mm-hmm. one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we just got done talking about. Uh, Friday, October 13th at 7 p.m. on TNT is All Elite Wrestling Rampage. Still, they, don't, they still don't have giant kaiju eating people and destroying buildings, so I'm not watching. 8 p.m. on Fox is WWE Friday Night Smackdown. At 9 p.m. on Stars is Shining Veil. Yep. And at 10 p.m. on AMC is Creep Show. Do, 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 do. New season is Shining Veil. Yep. Saturday, October 14th. Uh, just uh, 9 p.m. is Creature Features in Carson City and Reno on channels 191 and 193, respectively, if you have Chartar. Uh, and yeah, then, the last couple of episodes have been really good of that, actually. Yeah. Do they have guests anymore? Because they don't make guest announcements anymore. Um, I don't I don't think he has in the last, last couple, no. Hmm. Sunday, October 15th, nothing hmm. except this show. So you want to watch this, you want to listen to this show. And that, then that is it, so... All right. It would appear CD Project Red has partnered with Anonymous Content to develop a live-action project based on Cyberpunk 2077. Mm. The news comes in a form of a press release that is, and I quote, CD Project Red, the video game developing studio known for its critically acclaimed The Witcher series of games and the best-selling Cyberpunk 2077, is pleased to announce it has begun a collaboration with global media company Anonymous Content to develop a live-action project set in the world of its best-selling video game Cyberpunk 2077. Anonymous Content is an independent global media company known for producing Emmy-winning series such as True Detective and Mr. Robot, as well as Academy Award film-winning films, including The Revenant and Spotlight. As part of the collaboration, CD Projekt Red is working directly with Anonymous Content Studios head of television, Garrett Kimball, director of development Ryan Schwartz, and chief creative officer David Levin, an industry veteran who has previously previously HBO's EVP and co-head of drama for over 10 years. 
where he oversaw production of series such as True Detective, Westworld, and True Blood. He was also involved in the production of the early seasons of the Game of Thrones because nobody wants to claim they were involved in the last for a couple of seasons of Game of at Thrones. La, at, la, at, yeah, last, not, yeah. at least the last season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know anybody who uh, would claim claim any anything to do with the last season. Yeah, current not even the actors. Yeah, it was yeah, all yeah. AI, man. Yeah, no, <laughs> a lot of them, a lot of them are like, we filmed different endings. Like that, that's what I thought was funny. I'm like, really? Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that didn't help the uh, 180 degree turn characters made. But anyway, uh, current AC Studio series includes Saint X, directed by D. Rees, uh, Santaram, starring Charlie Hunnam, The Last Days of Portlinum Gray, starring Samuel L. Jackson and Dominique. Fishback, as yeah, Fishback, as well as the second season of Random Acts of Flyness. <laughs> Random Acts of Flyness. <laughs> I don't make this stuff up. <laughs> Upcoming series include Watiti. Disclaimer from Alfonso Caron, starring Kate Blanchett and Kevin Klein and Savant, starring Jessica Chastain. Uh, the new project is in early development stage and has currently commenced searching for a screenwriter to tell a brand new story set in the world of Cyberpunk 2077. So, so they have the actor but not the writer? I guess. That, that, that's weird. No, they, I, I didn't. Uh, no, uh, they, they got a director. Yeah, but yeah, and then Jessica Chastain. And it said they have Jessica Chastain and then they're no, I still think looking for a No, no, they no, were that doing was all those the stuff that he, he had done. Movies that they've done. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. I'm caught up now. Yeah, so the, the so the uh, David Levin, uh, Ryan Schwartz, and Garrett Kimball are the ones uh, that did all of that, I guess. Well, you know, I am impressed that they are getting this stuff, this kind of stuff going with uh, Cyberpunk because that game's launch was a horrific, horrific to say, to say the least. Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm amazed that they kind of did what No Man's Sky did. They took a, a, a disastrous launch and have actually kind of morphed it into a successful game. And in this case, multimedia franchise. Yep. Garrett Campbell, uh, David Levin, Ryan Schwartz, and Brad Bar- Brad Doros will produce on behalf of Anonymous Content alongside Charlie Scully. Anonymous Contents AC Studios will serve as the studio on the project. The project will be developed in close collaboration with the Cyberpunk 2077 creative team. More information about the project will be made available as the partnership between Anonymous Content and the CD Project Red progresses. CD Project Red has been has had previous successes in adapting the world of its best-selling video game for new mediums, including the critically acclaimed Netflix anime series Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that anime? Yeah, 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 that's what they just said. Horrible yeah. anime too. Well, it uh, was a new computer style anime, CG anime. That's uh, it's, yeah, it was horrible. It, it's a yes. definitely an acquired taste. Created in Corp, and it's the same style as the um, Spider Verse movies, mm-hmm. which is why I don't like it because um, I just don't like that style of art. Uh, anyway, created in collaboration with Studio Trigger, uh, which went on to win several major awards, a major award, including <laughs> Anime of the Year from IGN and Crunchyroll in 2023. CD Projekt Red released the novel Cyberpunk 2077, No Coincidence, written by best-selling sci-fi author Rafael Kosink, while the brand-new board game, Gangs of Night City, is currently in production by the game board game com- publisher Simon, C M O N. 
C-M-O-N. Yeah, I guess. Simon. Simon or Esmond. So yeah. more information about Cyberpunk 2077 and its recent released spy thriller expansion, Phantom Liberty, which starred actress Keanu Reeves and Idris Elba, mm-hmm. respectively, can be found on the game's official website, as well as Facebook and X. Yes, I know I know many women who are getting into video games just because Keanu Reeves and Idris Elba are in one game now. Yeah, that you can have sex with them in the game, too. Oh, that I did not <laughs> get into detail. Yeah, on. they they actually put out a thing uh, when after the game launched, telling people please stop having sex with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kid you not. Uh, the sword and sorcery comic book superheroine known as Red Sonia was introduced in the 1970s with a live action film in the 1980s. Then by the time the early 2000s came around, Dynamite Entertainment took over the character with hopeful plans of reviving the character in cinematic form. Decades later, a new film is far into production, and the world will be getting another look at a Red Sonja movie despite the commercial failure of the first version. Well, it was done in the 80s, and it did have Arnold Schwarzenegger in it playing Conan. And yeah, yeah Conan.Conan. Absolutely yeah. cheesy. Yeah. That's why that was failed. the 80s movies, though. exactly. <laughs> it was yeah. cheesy, and then, especially around the years that that came out. You yeah. had all those that were, yeah, with Conan the Destroyer, they were, they were yeah. all super cheese. You yeah. had all the crawl came out around the same time. Yeah. I love crawl, but they're remaking it. Yeah, I know. Second chances are everything during a recent conversation with Collider. Producer Les Weldon explains, Yeah, we're just about finished with the editing. <laughs> Hmm. That film is very rooted and very real, and it, if you will, very but, real. Yeah, the fact that you have to say yeah. that your movie's Gary, very real. Uh, Gail Simone <laughs> actually good. wrote a really good comic version of uh, Red Sonia. She's one of my favorite writers in comics. Yeah. That film is very real, but if you will, but there are a couple of sequences that we have to get the CGI right, so that you don't look at it and go. Oh, that creature it wasn't quite there. <laughs> so we, Hello, Scorpion King. Yeah. So we finished the film, and we're ready to get into the next part of Post, uh, on, post on it. While discussing uh, special effects in comparison to Weldon's Hellboy project that's in development, he explains, well, Red Sonja is also a little bit of a, I don't want to say a darker take, but a little bit darker than you would expect. Certainly, uh, compared to the original Red Sonja, we want to be very careful with the CG to make sure it's done properly and does the film a service rather than a disservice. The film's release is slated for the second half of 2024, but it it does not have a confirmed date as of now. So, yeah. Yeah, and this is like the third try for it because back in the early 2000s, Robert Rodriguez was attached to the direct it uh, for years. And it never came to fruition. I'm so glad he didn't. Anyway, um, look at would you look at that? Do we really need another Red Sony movie? No. Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> if oh, we've it's only done had right. One. If it's done right, I don't have. Oh, well, we've only had one. It's not like you know that. There's that the problem. Like, Conan this, is, this is what worries me: the fact that he's like, we need to make sure the CGI is right, tells me that it's going to be so bad. <laughs> How bad is it? Anyway, if you missed any part of the show thus far, you can go and check it out at the Pop Culture Kaboom podcast, produced by 97 and Now Productions. Just pick it up on any platform that you pick up your podcast at. Or you can go to Podbean and uh, subscribe. Definitely subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. Any, on any of the services, but Podbean is another one. Is, is yet another one. Yeah. So, and with that being said, we'll be right back with our big interview with Lisa Morton. So don't go anywhere more Pop Culture Kaboom radio show right after this. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. Lisa Morton is a screenwriter, author of nonfiction books, and prose writer whose work was described by the American Library Association's Reader Advisory Guide to Horror as consistently dark, unsettling, and frightening. She is a six-time winner of the Bram Stoker Award, the author of four novels and over 150 short stories, and a world-class Halloween and paranormal expert. Her latest book, which came out on October 1st, is The Art of the Zombie Movie. And welcome back to the show, Lisa. How have you been? Lisa. Oh, you had to hit the button. (laughs) Sorry, Lisa, are you there? Yeah, I sure am. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, so how have you been? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Thank you. <laughs> so you have a new book out called The Art of the Zombie Movie. Yes. In fact, I did a signing for it just earlier today at a wonderful store in Burbank called Dark Delicacies. Nice. Um, so uh, here's the synopsis of the book. Whether George Romero's implacable, slow-moving monstrosities or the fleet-footed terrors of 28 days later over those last several decades the zombie has ascended into the upper echelons of the movie monster pathion an elite tier once reserved only for vampires werewolves and frankenstein's monster that's frankenstein okay (laughs) igor uh featuring over 500 posters lobby cards press books stills and props from zombie movies across the whole of cinema history the art of the zombie movie is an eye-popping entertaining visual history of zombie films written by six-time Bram Stoker award-winning author lisa morton included here is the uh, story of the original and global reach of the zombie feature film special effects quotes and interviews from key uh, creators so how much fun was it writing this book um it was really fun it was a year of work i had never done a big coffee table illustrated art book And uh, starting off on this thing, I didn't even quite realize I also had to come up with all the illustrations. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, That was an interesting learning experience. Um, But also digging into the, like, folklore background of where do do zombies come from was really interesting. And um, I tried to use some of that in the book because uh, I'm guessing most people are like me and have no idea where it all came from. So where does it all come from? (laughs) It's, I mean, it obviously it comes out of Caribbean voodoo practices, but the guy who made it popular was a writer named William Seabrook, who put out a book in 1929 called The Magic Island, and the book sold really well and had an entire chapter dedicated to zombies, and um, that started a huge wave of public interest in zombies, and within a couple of years there had been both a Broadway play and the movie White Zombie starring Bela Lugosi. That's one of my favorite movies. 1932. It's a pretty fun movie. So, so oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry, in the Ron. book, he, uh, he called them zombies in the book? He did, yeah. Oh, okay. That is the actual like Haitian voodoo term for them. Cool. Yeah, not using the term zombies, a relatively recent thing. Right, yeah. yeah. yeah that, that kind of starts with Romero. Yeah, where he didn't really call them zombies. or, And actually, uh, we were talking about that earlier in the show, too, is that, um, you know, the original zombies, uh, per se, and actually in most zombie movies, the only zombie movie where they ever actually, like, t- deliberately tried to eat people's brains was Return of the Living Dead. That came out yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. So. And, uh, you know, there's actually kind of a weird story about how Return of the Living Dead came about. Um 
George Romero had co-written Night of the Living Dead with a writer named John Russo, and they ended up splitting, mm. like, the rights on that movie. So Romero kept the right to keep making these movies, but John Russo got the right to call anything Living Dead. <laughs> and Russo is the one behind Return of the Living Dead, although um, Dan O'Bannon, who wrote and directed it, comes along and gives it that fabulous, like, comic punk sensibility. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, is this kind of a, a more of an American thing? Because I know that, like, the movie Zombie uh, was an Italian horror movie back in the uh, early 80s. Um, I, I can't pronounce the guy's name. Um, anyway. Sargento? <laughs> no. No. Lucio Fulci. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he did the movie Zombie, and he's Italian. So is, is, is zombieism or the zombie movies, as, as we know them, kind of ever since 1932, is that like a global phenomenon? Um, they were made mainly in the U.S. for a long, long time. And um, then the whole thing with Lucio Fulci coming along is that um, I heard somebody say Argento, Dario Argento actually uh, financed Dawn of the Dead, the um, mm. zombie movie that came out in 1978 and really made zombies super popular. Mm -hmm. And um, because Dario Argento financed it, the uh, Italian title was Zombie, and then Lucio Fulci comes along, takes advantage of this weird Italian copyright law that says you can get around um, copyright issues with sequels and makes Zombie 2, <laughs> which is very confusing because it's released in the U.S. as just Zombie. <laughs> oh, okay. um, at that point, zombies become really big in, like, low-budget Italian horror culture. And, um, you know, now, of course, every country in the world, I think, is making zombie movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, I, actually, oh, yeah. in the most recent, uh, uh, I know uh, Japan and uh, North Korea have really gotten uh, yeah. hopped on that wagon. With South they, Korea, yeah. Uh, South Korea, uh, North Korea. You know, well, there's probably a lot of zombies <laughs> there, actually. But anyway, um, South Korea with uh, Train to Busan mm -hmm. uh, came out, and, and then they, of course, had the sequel, Peninsula, which unfortunately came out right when the pandemic started, so it like didn't have the big theatrical release that it should have because Train to Busan was very popular at the time that Peninsula came out, and they kind of they kind of got shafted on that one. Yeah, and you know, there's also an animated prequel to Train to Busan called Soul Station that's pretty interesting too. Oh. It wasn't that on Netflix. I can't. I remember. think so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I saw that. I, I, and uh, I, well, when I watched it, Train to Busan, I was, I was just, I just, my wife saw, I don't understand how, how what, why is this happening there? I'm like, because they don't allow guns. <laughs> That's why. If everybody actually had, anybody of, any one of these people actually had a gun, especially those police officers, this would be a completely different story. So, but I thought they did a really good job with it. I, I still have yet to see Peninsula, though, and I'm kind of sad I can't find it on any of the streaming services that I go to. I think it's, like, exclusively on Shutter or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually have not seen Peninsula yet either, I have to confess. Oh, well, uh, we, we'll, we'll make it a point. You have to come up here and we'll watch it together. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and another thing is that, uh, you know, it kind of came up. I didn't realize this until I talked to you that you had a, a kind of a background in the film industry doing um, um, sets and stuff. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, special effects. I did miniatures, and I also did a little bit of uh, makeup effects work. So I've always been a big fan of makeup effects, and zombie movies are kind of the pinnacle of doing like the most outlandish possible gory effects you could can. Um, is, was that kind of a, a fascinating thing for for you as coming from that side of the industry when researching this and getting in all the blood and gore and everything that goes into these zombie movies? A little bit, although the people I worked for, um, a wonderful place called the Berman Studios, and uh, Tom Berman was the head of it, and um, he is retired now, but um, he was frequently nominated for Emmys and um, had an Academy Award nomination for Scrooge. He did Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Cap People and just dozens of movies. Oddly enough, he never really did like a serious hardcore zombie movie. So I never got to work on one of those, which um, would have been really fun. The, the closest we got was a movie called One Dark Night. And I actually do mention that in my zombie movie because it's kind of like zombie adjacent. It's about, <laughs> it's about a um, dead psychic who comes back to life and resurrects these corpses in, in a mausoleum. And hmm. um, we were ma- I was part of the team that was making these corpses. But they are just being reanimated by the psychic powers of this um, this dead psychic fellow, mm. and they they are not really like alive and moving, and they weren't very interested in, interested in eating the teenage kids in the movie, which was kind of too bad. Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, when it came to zombie movies, it was like uh, Tom Savini almost cornered the market after Dawn of the Dead, wasn't didn't he? Yeah, he was the king. I mean the. You know, in some respects, still is. Although now K and B and The Walking Dead are certainly the, right. the top, I think, on zombie makeup stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I, I love Tom Savini. I mean, uh, I, I can't, I can't help but love the guy. I mean, from his makeup work to being to being in From Dusk Till Dawn, <laughs> and he was, yeah, he's he's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, now that just uh, totally derailed my train of thought. Uh, I had my something I was going to say, Sorry. but I can't remember now. <laughs> um, it had to do with zombie. Oh, yes. Um, what exactly um, qualifies nowadays as being a zombie? Because you can pretty much say anything's a zombie now. You know, it's gone from being like an unknown force and like the Night of the Living Dead that kind of started reanimating the corpses. So, in Dawn of the Dead, they kind of. Referred to it as uh, biblical and, and the rapture type of stuff, where the you know the dead will rise, you know at the end of end of times and all that stuff. Uh, to now, it's pretty much viral or right, or, yeah, like, and now, like fungal. Last of uh, us. Now yeah. fungal is uh, <laughs> the the latest thing to turn people into zombies. Um, but was, so where is the line actually drawn with people, like zombies? Because if it's the person's alive and then they get a virus infected, like in twenty eight days. Um, that's kind of not really a zombie per se, right? Yeah, and I I agree with that. I, I kind of, in fact, don't cover some of those things extensively in the book because, to me, a real zombie has to be dead. It has to be a reanimated physical body, which means it can't be a ghost. Um, and it has to have no will or intelligence of its own. Mm. Um, And the reason I like that definition is that it can cover both the old-fashioned zombie from the movies like White Zombies, where they were uh, the product of voodoo, and they didn't eat people, (laughs) to 
the post-Romero type that does eat people. Um, they're all just kind of the same creature, just these stupid, uh, mindless things that are dead, that are driven by these needs they can't control. Well, that was one thing that uh, I think that the remake that uh, Zack Snyder did of Dawn of the Dead, actually, well, whether you like it or not, no. But the, but the effects were interesting because, you know, at the beginning of the movie, you know, there were the fast-moving type of zombies from uh, 28 Days Later. Yeah. But then, you know, it showed the decaying process where they became the slow shambling ones right, as yeah. time passed. Which is actually, you know, yeah, I, I like when they throw in actual science into it. And like in Walking Dead, that's why it's always shown uh, during the summer because during the winter they they get too cold and they can't move. <laughs> so that's why it's always shot in the summertime. Interesting. So, but um, yeah, not the winter, which... But anyway, um, so where would you classify a movie? Because we, uh, we were talking about it earlier and, uh, the, you know, my distaste for remakes and stuff. Uh, they're going to be doing a remake of Night of the, Night of the Comet, um, which was an older film. And it had to do with a comet that came across. If you were in a lead room, you didn't get infected by whatever this comet was spewing out of it, some kind of red dust or something like that. But it kind of turned people into mindless creatures that ate other people and stuff like that so or they just flat out died um yeah no i think i really like night of the comet i i definitely think that's a zombie film and i'm kind of not thrilled about remaking it because it was <laughs> such a product of the mm-hmm. 80s yeah, well, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> i mean unless you're going to make it as a parody of the 80s or something i i'm not sure how well that's going to work yeah, me neither. Which it's just some th- certain things you just should not touch, and I think that's one of them because there's, you know, it, it had just enough cheese in it because it was '80s movie, you know, and uh, yeah, but exactly. it was still a good. Yeah. In my opinion, it was a good movie. So it I mean, was really fun. Yeah, and it had Robert Beltran, who was really cute, and the two the two lead uh, young women were great. It was it was. Oh, yeah, good. Robert Beltran. He was also in uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid. He was uh, Chuck Norris's sidekick, and he was uh, Chakotay in uh, Star Trek Voyager. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Did not know you had that much information about him. <laughs> hey, I am a font of useless information. A fountain or a font. That both. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, so with the book is out now, if you want to go pick it up, I I encourage anybody who wants a nice little centerpiece of discussion during the, the Halloween party. parties. look amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah you definitely. Just have that yeah. on your coffee table and lots of people will enjoy that. So. Um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, I've been I've been enjoying it as we as we've been talking. I know. Uh, yes, and by the way, thank you for the. Uh, we all got a chance to. Uh, you got a chance to look at yeah. the book. So we all got a all chance right. to give it a look. Um, um, and I, which uh, brings up my next question. Actually, um, usually when people send me stuff, I do a review. Um, did, is it okay to um, do a, a review of it on my YouTube channel? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Okay. Um, then I will give a review of the Art of the Zombie movie. Mm-hmm. I'll add that to my list of videos to make for the YouTube channel, <laughs> uh, which are a lot. Um, so, But I will be having that out very, as soon as I possibly can. Um, so with the book out of the way, um, so to speak, uh, there you are known as a, an, a pretty much a world-renowned expert of Halloween the and queen. the paranormal. Yeah, the queen of Halloween. Basically, um, so a lot of weird stuff going on this year for around the uh, month of October. We started the month off with a supermoon, the last of the year. Um, there's going to be a Friday the thirteenth this year. Right after that is a, a Ring of Fire annular eclipse, which is going to be cutting right through no- North America for the first time ever. 
Um, and there's going to be a harvest moon. So a lot of weird stuff going. Does any of that play into the mythos of Halloween at all? Um, not so much, yeah. I I just hope it all turns out better than 2020 when everyone <laughs> was so excited about Halloween because there was going to be like some amazing full moon on Halloween night and it was a Saturday. And instead we were all at home waiting for a pandemic to get over. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I do got some more questions, especially about Halloween stuff, but we got to take a hard break. Can you stick another round for another segment? Sure can. All right. We'll be back with more with Lisa Morton. You can pick our book up, The Art of the Zombie Movie. It is available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, your local bookstore, everywhere that you can get a book. And I would highly recommend it. Well, how about you, Spencer? Oh, highly. I mean, this... The, the, I've I've read it. I've been looking through it all the whole show, and it's been an awesome read. And you can go and mm-hmm. check out Lisa Morton's website, lisamorton.com, all one word, for all of her social media links, as well as uh, all of her other books that you might want to go and take a look at. But we will be back with more Pop Culture Kaboom radio show right after this with Lisa Morton, and we're going to be talking Halloween. So if you want to join the conversation, 775-515-4141, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom, our radio show, everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. And if I actually did any kind of uh, research and prep for, for a show, <laughs> I would have actually been playing uh, Ministries Every Day as Halloween song because that is the title of Lisa Morton's Substack. So, ah. <laughs> so Every Day is Halloween. Go check it out if you are on Substack or would like to subscribe to her Substack. And also she is a Halloween expert, paranormal historian, and she also has her own website, lisamorton.com. Her latest book we just got done talking about, which is The Art of the Zombie Movie. And we're going to be discussing Halloween. Um, so uh, we kind of touched about it about a year ago when you were on the show um, last Halloween, a couple of things. But just to kind of recap, um, just out of curiosity, how many countries actually celebrate uh, what we can, what we call here in the United States uh, Halloween? At this point, most of them in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, it's really amazing how it has exploded in popularity just in the last 20 years. If you had asked me that question 20 years ago, I would have said, well, pretty much only the English-speaking countries. Now it is everywhere. And of course, the reason that it is mainly the Northern Hemisphere is because in the Southern Hemisphere, the seasons are flipped. So you don't get the same sort of um, harvest associations with it. It's Mm. it's spring there in October. And um, however, even with that, it is catching on hugely now in Australia and uh, in South Africa. Interesting. And, uh, you know, even though the seasons are flipped there, you know, you should try October in Florida sometime. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do their costumes, like, reflect that it's springtime versus harvest time, or? Um, Not so much, yeah. Um, I guess the the evening must still be cool enough that um, the costumes that I'm seeing from Australia and from um, South Africa all seem fairly similar to what we're wearing. Okay. Yeah. Focus more on the spooky side rather than the harvest side. Right, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So how did it go from uh, being a, um, kind of a harvest kind of a festival to being the, what we know now where, you know, people trick-or-treating and trying to scare each other and do pranks and stuff? <laughs> 
Well, that is 2,000 years of history. (laughs) Um, It kind of goes back to an ancient Celtic festival, and uh, it looks like it's spelled Samhain. It's actually pronounced Samhain, um, despite all the movies that have characters called Samhain in them. Um, (laughs) It is the old um, harvest celebration for the Celts. It was their New Year's, and because it was their New Year when they went from the old year into the new one, they thought it was a night when uh, veils were very thin and things could cross over from this other world that they believed in, and these things were really scary. And they celebrated Samhain by telling ghost stories and telling stories about these creepy things that would cross over into their world on that night. And I think there's no question that is where Halloween gets its macabre side from. Mm. Um, the Catholic Church then comes along in around mm-hmm. the 6th century A.D. and starts working on converting these people. And so they um, take the date of a celebration of the saints and they move it to November 1st and probably did that to try and co-opt Samhain. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And that was eventually successful. It took a while, but by the time you get into, like, the 17th, 18th centuries, Um, It is now called Halloween, although the people who are in the areas descended from those Celtic tribes, it's still a pretty scary, macabre night. They celebrate it in the 18th century with lots of, like, fortune-telling games, and some of those games would depend on calling um, the devil to answer questions for them. (laughs) Wow. So uh, basically a Trivial Pursuit night with a Ouija board. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and at that point in history, people were obsessed with knowing who they were going to marry. So mm-hmm. a lot of the fortune-telling mm. games were about trying to find out who their future husband or wife would be. And then when they come to America, the Scottish and Irish immigrants, they bring this tradition with them. And that's mainly in about 1840s. Um, and it catches on with all of the American housewives who love the idea of this quaint British-sounding party, even though the British didn't really celebrate Halloween much. It was mainly the Scottish and the Irish, and it starts catching on, and they love, their kids love the parties, and so by the time you get to 1900, it is a party night um, Mm. for both adults and kids, and now a bunch of the kids are following another Irish tradition, and they're playing pranks. And that sounds really cute, except by, like, 1930, it gets so out of hand that um, a lot of cities are considering banning the holiday. Yeah. And instead, they come up with a brilliant plan. They they, uh, organize parties at home to buy these kids off, and that's where we get (laughs) to retreat from. (laughs) So uh, where where does the jack-o'-lantern tradition come from? It started with turnips, right? It did, yeah, because uh, pumpkins are native to the New World. So over in Ireland and in Scotland, they didn't have pumpkins. They had these massive freaking turnips. <laughs> Don't ask me how you carve one of those, because I cannot begin to imagine. Um, but, yeah, the jack-o'-lantern was based on an old, old folktale that is popular in many parts of the world um, about Jack the Trickster. And Jack is this... Um, bad guy who outwits the devil three times when the devil comes to take his soul, and then when Jack finally dies, the devil doesn't want him even in hell at that point, and um, he kind of very condescendingly tosses him this burning hell ember, which Jack puts into a carved-out turnip or gourd to light his way as his spirit wanders the earth forever, and 
So um, the Irish, who loved to play pranks, would carve these faces in these pumpkins and put the candle inside. And if it was a dark Halloween night and you were turning a corner and came upon this face, you might instantly think of the, the stories you'd heard of Jack the Trickster. <laughs> That's funny. That's cool. Uh, so uh, as far as pranks go, what is the uh, worst prank you've ever heard of done on a Halloween? Well, you know, I mean, that kind of depends on your definition of worst. I mean, the, the you know, the stuff with cats and so forth is like really horrible or yeah. or there was there was one that actually was in my neighborhood a few years ago that I've heard variations of about on Halloween night if if um you saw somebody driving without their headlights mm. on, don't flash your lights at right. them because they'll they'll follow you home and kill you. I mean, you know, that stuff is like yeah, that's, that's a prank religion. that's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, um I mean a, a fun prank, um there the one that used to be really popular is really strange. There were parts of the country where Halloween was actually called gate night for a while because what the kids would do was everybody had like little picket fences around their houses and stuff. The kids would disassemble the gate part of the fence <laughs> and would reassemble it like on the roof of the barn or something. Huh. Um, <laughs> so that, a lot of carpentry involved in was like the most prominent prank. Wow, they have a lot of time on their hands. What, what time frame was it? What time was this? Oh, this time. is probably from about 1900 to about 1925, 1930. Oh, well, that, uh, they had all that time because they didn't have TV. That's yeah, right. <laughs> no, but, no. I mean, it seems like a lot of work to, like, yeah, disassemble no, a I'd... gate, reattach it to a barn. I mean, uh, yeah. Oh, I'd... these kids would do insane things. I actually have a vintage postcard from a small town in Iowa, and I think it's 1912. And it shows the main street of this little town the morning after Halloween, and it is completely filled with stuff like gates and bathtubs <laughs> and bathtubs. carriages. I mean, these kids would just move all kinds of stuff into the, the main street of the town, and, and the kids are all kind of proudly posing on top of their piles <laughs> of stuff. Wow. That's some funny stuff right there. Uh, and plus those Halloween costumes back then were the just absolutely put pale in comparison to, you know, nowadays it's like they were just absolutely horrendous looking. They were just creepy. Yeah, they they were they were probably pretty creepy. Yeah, um, I I have a slight caution that I always put out on that kind of thing. It, there are a lot of photos that I see passed around of people in old costumes from like 1910, 1920. The truth is, most of those are not even Halloween costumes. Um, back then, people dressed up in costumes for all kinds of stuff, and the costumes were quite often creepy, <laughs> whether it was Halloween or Christmas or whatever. I mean, they dressed up for Thanksgiving um, in certain places. So unless you see, like, somebody holding a jack-o'-lantern in the photo, it may not even be Halloween when you see, like, a creepy old costume. Well, I, when they're looking like Jason Voorhees or, you know, the hills have eyes, I kind of make it, <laughs> I would have to assume that that's more to Halloween, but that'd be kind of a weird thing to wear to Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that burlap sack with one eye hanging out, you know, but uh, okay. The town that dreaded set and down <laughs> <laughs> exactly I, it looks like you wanted to say something oh specific. no okay. no i'm just uh, i'm just my mind's eyes just kind of going wow <laughs> <laughs> what were so you so what then were some of the first costumes and that we can actually say use for halloween. halloween well the 
originally when trick-or-treat started to come around, and this is less than 100 years ago when trick-or-treat really starts to happen, um, at first people were dressing the kids in really simple stuff. I mean, it would either be like, hey, here's an old bed sheet, now you're a ghost, (laughs) Um, or here's mom's old bandana out of the attic and we're going to put it on your head and you're a pirate, Um, or hobo, you know, we'll smear a little suit on your face, you're a hobo, but... After uh, World War II, um, it, it, Halloween kind of goes on hiatus during the war years, as, mm. as a lot of things did, but it comes back really strong right after World War II. And then you, you get these costume companies coming in, and, and these costume companies are really smart, and they are licensing characters um, from Disney and from cartoons and from television. And when a kid is presented with, hey, you can either be a hobo out of your dad's old clothes again, or you can be Superman. Right. Um, yeah, I've seen some vintage Superman costumes that were just, wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it, you know, it wasn't a hard decision for the kids to make, obviously. So, yeah, all I remember from Halloween from when I was a kid was those cheap, crap plastic masks. masks yes. And yes. vinyl uh costume things that like tore under the armpits and like five seconds after you the minute you lifted your arm up so and that and the rubber band is getting all matted into your hair and everything See, we all we never we never bought costumes we were always forced to make our costumes and come up with something wow right. so yeah one time my dad actually did start getting into making stuff and everything like that and because we lived on uh, navy housing mm-hmm. the shore patrol got called on us once <laughs> on halloween because it scared people <laughs> oh yeah so that was good good times but um so uh have you ever pulled a prank on halloween lisa i hmm, you're taking way too long to answer that <laughs> I'm, i I actually am trying to remember if i have it seems like i did i think i i think i did one year when i was a kid i dressed up as the girl from the exorcist and jumped out at my best friend i think that was probably the closest <laughs> i ever got to a real prank uh see i would actually terrorize the neighborhood i had short coat patrol called on not me one time me and my friend david because uh we hung a mannequin from a tree that was next to a roadway so when cars would come by, we'd swing it out in front of the cars. <laughs> yeah, that, you don't do that stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Well, me and my brother, we used to. We actually, one year, we had um, a whole thing where we had a dead. We made like a dead body and up on the roof, and when the kids would come up, we'd have this whole scene, and then we'd throw the dead body at them from the roof, and yeah. <laughs> you'd throw it at them. Oh yeah, like, oh. Man, yeah. You know how many parents like we would have parents laughing at the end of the driveway when their kids would come up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and come running back. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, so yeah, but back then when uh, you know I did, was doing that is before cell phones and stuff. So at least we had a little bit of time because the person actually driving would have to get to their house to get to a phone to, to actually call, call anybody. <laughs> so no, there was no nine one one back then. Say, yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> good times. So we had a little bit of a little bit of a time to you know get out of there before the short patrol actually showed up. So any you Spencer? Oh, well, you know nothing, nothing major. You know, like. Uh, you know, with trick-or-treaters, I would dress up like a scarecrow. Me or a friend would dress up like a scarecrow and just act like you're, you're, you're an inanimate stuffed scarecrow mm-hmm. either. They'd trick-or-treat, and then you just when they think that you're – they get used to the idea of you just being the stuffed thing, you just go, Rah! 
and you know, you know, nothing, nothing too terrible. Oh gosh, see, me and my brother were evil. We did one year too. We had a whole scene with blood, and we'd shoot out. And as they came up, we would have a shootout, and he would come like sprawling with blood at the kids at the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that does remind me, you know, you know that because just talking about that kind of stuff reminds me, you know, haunted houses are really big now. What? When did haunted houses kind of become part of this Halloween season? This Halloween season. Yeah, they, they started with, weirdly enough, um, a couple of nonprofit organizations. The JCs, which was the Junior Chamber of Commerce, um, started doing like haunted houses as benefit things in the 60s. And then the other one that comes along that is t- turning a really good profit for their nonprofit with haunted houses was a Christian organization called Campus Life. And um, I remember going through a Campus Life haunted house in about 1972. I was like 11 years old, and um, that thing scared the heck out of me. And, <laughs> um, but they, the model that these groups created um, between that and what the amusement park started doing really big in the 80s, um, Knott's kind of started doing some seasonal transformations in, I think, as early as the 70s. And but by the time you get into the 80s, these amusement parks in Southern California have found a way to make their really boring fall season a money earner by turning everything over to Halloween. And so you get Universal and you get um, Disneyland and, and not all doing it. And that kind of really paves the way for all of the big pro-level haunted attractions. And, you know, now there are something like 3,000 of them um, wow. that spring up every Halloween in oh, the yeah, country. And, and there are now, um, they're showing up in other parts of the world, too. Oh, well, wow. Lisa, unfortunately, I'm at the end of my time now. Uh, but uh, it comes way too short. It's always an honor and a privilege to have you on the show and, uh, and pick your brain with all this fascinating information you have. Again, if you want to go and check out her book, The Art of the Zombie Movie, and all of her other books, they are available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, your local bookstore, everywhere you get your books. And go check out LisaMorton.com uh, for, uh, and go check out all of her social media links from there as well as her Substack. Every day is Halloween. If you have any questions that you didn't get a chance to ask, uh, feel free to go and hit her up on her by sending her an email. And I'm sure you'll answer any questions that anybody asks, right, Lisa? I sure will be happy to, and love chatting with you guys again. Why, thank you, and you have a, you. you have a happy Halloween, and uh, thank you and again. An honor and a privilege to have you back on the show. It was great. Thank you so much, and yes, happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon, everybody else. Uh, we still got a little bit of show left, so don't go anywhere. But we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. Always fun to talk to Lisa Morton. She has a, a very interesting person and has a lot of interesting information about her. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've, I loved that interview. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great interview. It was, was great. Well, thank you, guys. I'm glad you were able to participate. I always like learning new things. Me, too. New things are always fun. All right, so shall we get to the rest of this story? <laughs> sure. Oh, okay. I didn't know well, we, we. I didn't know we left off on the story. We didn't. Well, uh, <laughs> what story did we leave off on? We didn't. 
I was just, okay. I was just doing a well, bad you know, Paul Harvey thing. If we wanted to talk about haunted houses, I took my wife and my oh, daughter. Oh yeah, that's right. You were, yeah. you were going to go to the um, it's a dark, dark, dark corner, corner haunted, haunted house. house at the, uh, which is uh, open this weekend and it's open next weekend too. On so I was thinking about going on my birthday on Friday the thirteenth. Mm-hmm. I, I would highly well, recommend tonight. It. So. Uh-huh. It's no, it's not open today. on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, just Friday and Saturdays. Um, but so you went and oh, uh, <laughs> well, uh, so you got the experience the ninety plus actor side of it. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a bit different than when we went through uh, because it was different actors in different parts and such. Uh, they had different emphases on different areas. And uh, through going through the first one, through the first haunted house, my wife was freaked. Out, you know the part where it's pitch black going into the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she would not go in, and then we saw this this clown guy come out with a taser going, and she's like, oh! <laughs> and, and I had to actually turn on the flashlight on my phone to even get her into the movie theater. And when she's in, the the thing that freaked out both my wife and my daughter the most were the people who were crawling around on all fours. <laughs> They would nip at. They didn't know. Nobody touched you because it's an, it's a no touch haunted house. But they would get close enough where they would just you know li- like literally like nip at your heels <laughs> and all that and all that stuff. They were freaked out. <laughs> My wife's catchphrase throughout throughout the whole thing as we're as we're rushing through. She's like, "Go home, go home." <laughs> She was yelling at people to go home. Yeah, she, yeah, that she, was she, her home. Yeah, yeah she was. Yeah, and, I would and, have uh, said that. I'm like, they yeah, are home. Well, oh, yeah, and, and eventually one of the monsters goes, "We are home," <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's, like "It's your bedtime now. Go bedtime." <laughs> and um, uh, I, I can neither confirm nor deny that there may have been some pants wetting. Was it yours? <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I was actually really worried that that might that they couldn't get through the first one, but fortunately, one good thing I would highly recommend it if you can if you can afford it get the VIP tickets, because you can go into that lounge area in between the two haunted houses. Yeah, and we met a couple of really nice people there. They really helped helped my family relax, and we actually went through with a couple of people that we met in the lounge area through the second haunted house and it was so much fun i mean they were still freaked out but they loved it they 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 are you know they're still they were still talking about it before just before i even came down to the studio and they were talking about how much fun it was afterwards and and this is like halfway through the first haunted house i was afraid we were going to have to ditch you know find one of those (laughs) escape hatches and so but it's intense and if you aren't, if you, if you have people who aren't used to horror stuff, I think if we had gone through the line and seen the people with the chainsaws going, rah, rah, you know, kind of built her, built up my family to it, they probably wouldn't have been as freaked out when they first went in. Mm. But, but they were troopers. They were so brave. It was so awesome. And just seeing how things worked a little bit, just just different enough to make me go. Ooh. And I, I was just laughing throughout the whole thing, especially with everybody's reactions. <laughs> okay, and Rob, you uh, you went and saw a movie. Yes, I went and saw Exorcist Believer. Okay, and uh, you initially gave it a good. Yes, do you stand by that? I do, I do. So it's um, it's similar, very similar to the first one. Like, there's not a lot of jump scares. However, I believe the entire theater, myself included, did get on one of them. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, because you heard everybody like, <gasps> like, oh my god, oh my god, and then you know that like 
way like weird laugh afterwards you know because everybody realized that they that nervous laugh yeah that everybody got got <laughs> you know like <laughs> but um i must say that i i like the way that they do it because i really like when trailers show you the movie but then they don't show you the movie because everybody knows they always do reshoots and stuff like that and they pick different scenes or different shoots of scenes for the trailer than in the movie, and they did that yeah, with like, this. Yeah, like like the, like slightly different angles or slightly different lines, or yeah, or scenes you know together, like yeah. you know um, when in particular I won't spoil it, but like the 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 scene in the church where the little girls like you know the blood and the body and mm-hmm. you know um, it's completely different in the movie than the trailer. Hmm. Does she um, have that demonic voice going oh, yeah. on too? Oh yeah, and nobody questioned that in the church, did they? Oh no no they they did they okay. were because, because well that was the thing everybody was like the pastor was like kind of like freaking out like what's going on like because <laughs> it happened it actually happens during uh, communion that's why she's saying the body and the blood because he's like this is the body of Christ you know so that's where it, like that's why she starts saying it but hmm. um, really really good um, surprise cameo at the end. And I think they did a really good job of setting up um, the sequel, Deceiver. So, uh, yeah, because they've set this up to be uh, it's a, a, trilogy. a trilogy, right? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. So, so they set it up really, really well, like especially like my daughter like caught it at the end. Too. She's like, "Wait, did you see that at the end?" I go, "Uh huh." Like, <laughs> <laughs> of course I did. Yeah. So I think what they did it? a really good job of uh, <laughs> setting up the second one. And uh, all right. And we, uh, and you and I, not mm-hmm. and Spencer, you watched Ahsoka, right? Yeah, yeah. I watched Ahsoka. Okay. Yes. Yeah, uh, I just watched he, the he finale watched today. Loki. In fact. So, what do you think about that uh, whole reveal? Uh, spoilers, by the way, if yes. you haven't seen Ahsoka. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. spoilers. Yes, spoiler so, you know. um, so, they they brought Death Troopers in. Yes. Which is. Uh, yeah, they call comes, them Night Troopers in this? Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's. And, they, and it ties in a way different than what they did in the, uh, the novelization, the novel that they did. Mm hmm. And also with uh, Star Wars Galaxies, because when I was playing that game, they had that uh, whole st- little section of Doth- Death Mirror that was blocked off because of mm. a zombie virus. Mm. And you can actually get armor for, you know, death, death, dead trooper armor and everything else. And mm. there were hordes of zombie stormtroopers that were coming after you. I mean, little, little hordes of them. And uh, they were hard to kill, too. Yeah, that was, actually, I felt that was really well done in uh, Ahsoka. But they changed it to Night Sisters now are the reason why. And so they kind of played back into the whole the Clone Wars with the Night Sisters mm-hmm. and reanimating the corpses mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I thought that was an interesting little twist at the end. Um, which well, they did it in, also um, makes me wonder because video game. Ezra ends up getting back to the regular galaxy by <laughs> disguising himself as one of these dead troopers the with twist. the armor on. Mm-hmm. So does that mean if he, while he was wearing it, if he died, he would have been resurrected? No, because I don't think so. Because they were they spewed the green smoke afterwards. Well, or before, during, when they resurrected. I don't know how you want to say that, <laughs> but uh, you know. So like. I think they were part because if you played um, Fallen Order, there's a lot. There's a whole you have to go to Dathomir, and there's a whole thing with the Night Sisters and them using the green smoke to resur- resurrect their old um, brethren and stuff like that that you have to fight. So well, yeah, and they were resurrecting the meat of the people, not the suits. Yeah. Well, yeah, but this, but the, with this, the suits are actually what was the the Night Sister red banding on there was actually the whole ritual of resurrection for them to be coming back. 
Well, yeah, but, yeah, but I, I think that was just part of the ritual, like, uh, you know what I mean, versus you still had to be a dead person, or I don't know what they yeah. were using technically for this. But. So was it like a dead guy that Ezra got the armor off of? Well, well yeah, be because just well, absolutely that's disgusting, because well, something would have well, been rotting inside that armor. And that's the thing, because like, who, cause like, in the past, when they've died with, like, Night Sister influence, they pretty much just go in a puff of smoke, so there was no, like... Well, I mean, Bones but the, but all of those, uh, all of them, that uh, Ahsoka and everybody, you know, Sabine, and mm-hmm. Sabine, Sabine. Sabine, and Ezra were killing, all of them all of a sudden rose up. Right, because and, you remember, because she did that whole thing afterwards. But yeah, but uh, yeah. She, she started the, basically she started the ritual when they were all dead. That's yeah. how she had to get yeah, them and, to Yeah, and they were all in the in the base in the, in that mm-hmm. uh, palace tower thing. Yeah, but None so of was, them were up on the, on the Death Star. Or the Death Star, no, not, not the <laughs> Star Destroyer. Star Star Sorry, but but that guy had the outfits. So no, that, but they no, they were well, all of them had the outfits before well, they went but, down. But wouldn't it have been a, so if Ezra killed him, he would have been resurrected. But if he was already no, because I think it was after the resurrection. Uh, so he was already dead. Mm-hmm. But how long was he dead? I mean, no, I some th- of them when they shot him into like the the bone. The, the, mm-hmm. um, well, the ones down uh, down in the tower, they see, would they would just keep coming. Don't forget too when they killed uh, Morgan. I believe the spell ended as well, because uh, that's a lot of how the Night Sister and Ahsoka stuff works got the too. first piece of uh, Star Wars loot actually because she killed her and got her sword. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, because she lost her lightsaber, so she had uh, she had that yeah. magic sword now. Yeah. So uh, there mm-hmm. you go. I liked how I would end it though, like, no, we're where we're where we need to be. Yeah, that's uh, that. Th- they were definitely banking on getting a season two. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Well, the season that two or that it's going to all tie too. into the movie. It is going to all tie yeah. into the movie, so it'll be interesting to see. And uh, the next, uh, I was, I was, I must say though, I was at the end. I was like, no. <laughs> because yeah. you know like seriously we just spent the whole season getting you yeah and now you two are stuck like yeah no, but i do like how they handle the grand, snail people i do like I how they the handle Nody. uh grand admiral thrawn though because especially in rebels you know he was just always beating them mm-hmm. and he did and, this time too yeah and oh, yeah. And, and and they're kind of keeping that tradition up which i really appreciated well, that's what. That's because uh, Dave Filoni is in charge of it, like he was with Rebels. So, yeah. And, well, because it's got to come to the big climax where he actually like is confronted yeah. by Ezra finally, and you know. Yeah, well, and it's it's kind of nice. You know, oh, fan theory from uh, from Eric: uh, Ezra okay. will go to the world between worlds. Well, that, that's where. <laughs> Yeah, He's already been he there. Probably will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, the next uh, one that comes out, at least Star Wars wise, is going to be um, Skeleton Crew with mm-hmm. Jude Law. Right. So uh, I'm not exactly sure what that's supposed to be about or what it's supposed to tie I'm into or anything. The Acolyte. So really, yeah, yeah I, I kind of like it. Isn't that one set in the past? Yes. Prequel stuff. Yeah, but it's so about yeah. the dark side. Well, so well, the, 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 the interesting thing <laughs> about the prequels in uh, Star Wars universes, you know, some of them take place 10,000 years in the past. So, you know, they aren't really connected. So it's so that way you can still appreciate ten thousand years ago. That yeah. means they're dead. Kind of like yeah. anything about dinosaurs. Well, you know, but but you know, literally, I still like dinosaurs. Well, yeah, I still like, <laughs> and you know, literally everything in Star Wars says you know a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I mean, nothing of this stuff is new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and if you notice, it's in the past. It's is it really in the past or is it in the future? Well, on... actually, because that the droid says that when they're talking when they're inside that whale yeah. about to go to. 
he see that he yes, prefaced he said, it as as kind of the story. So it's about uh-huh. that's how the whole stories begin. Well, so. George Lucas actually wanted R two D two to be the narrator of yeah. the stories. So I think it was like awesome that. But now Dave everybody Filoni... wants Chopper to be the narrator. Well, no, I, I, actually, <laughs> oh, Chopper. I love Chopper's attitude. I, I thought it was great that they actually took Wang and he's the narrator of the stories. You know, they they, they kind of like gave that away. You know, like he's been around for thousands of years, and he's, so he's trained the one so many. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far yep. away. So that's how he starts out all, all of the all those stories, kind of like the Twilight mm-hmm. Zone. Yeah, so anyway, um, is it time? It's, Almost. It's yeah, yeah. But uh, Ahsoka, I, I I have have a lot of mixed feelings about modern Star Wars. This one is a, a general plus column. Yeah, yeah me too. So can't wait for Andor two. Uh, Season two I can. Two. I didn't want to watch that. I know really? what happens. I want to know what happens to the character. I... He, he gets turned into charcoal dust. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's the story behind the character. Oh yeah. Well, then if it was that important, they should have told it before they charcoaled him. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just how I feel about it. Uh, thank you all for tuning in tonight. No matter where you're listening, uh, we genuinely appreciate you being here. We hope you enjoyed the, this episode of the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. A big thank you to our guest, Lisa Morton. You can find the Art of the Zombie movie and other books by Lisa Morton at your favorite local comic book or con- local comic local bookstores, Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, check out Lisa Morton's website, LisaMorton.com, for more Im- information about her books and her social media links. With all of the guests on the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show, we do like and follow them on the Facebook, depending on what options are available. So as they post news, it is reposted to the Pop Culture Kaboom news feed. Next week, Sunday, October 15th, our special guests will be Nancy Ann Ritter and Christopher Enlow. We'll be talking with these two great horror film veterans as they take you on a new thrill ride in the horror comedy, The Only Ones, coming soon to a theater near you. How does one prepare to be in a horror film? And what Nancy Ann Ritter and Christopher Enloe have coming up in their new future are just some of the questions we'll be asking because they do have a lot of movies coming up. Uh, Christopher Enloe has like at least eight that are coming up in the near future. Wow. Not including uh, other than the, the only ones. <laughs> so a total of nine. Nine! Uh, thank you for your support, and please continue supporting Pop Culture Kaboom by listening to the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. And if you missed any part of the live show... The Pop Culture Kaboom podcast produced by 97 and Now Productions. And not only, and you can not only get this episode, but also previous episodes and some bonus material that will be coming up as well. Subscribe to the Pop Culture Kaboom podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Also give a like and a follow to the Pop Culture Kaboom on Facebook for everything you want, everything you need from Pop Culture Entertainment Daily. And subscribe to the Pop Culture Kaboom YouTube channel for video interviews and uh, reviews. For forum events and also stuff uh, like the Lisa Morton's book, uh, we have that will that'll be up very soon. On behalf of our guest Lisa Morton, KNBC, Spencer, Rob, and I, thank you for your support. Have a great week, and we will see you Saturday, October fourteenth, at the Brewery Arts Center in Carson City at two p.m. as well as six thirty p.m. for the Carson Creepy Awards and Screening Ceremony. And we'll also be right here talking to you live next Sunday, six to nine p.m. Anytime during the week on Facebook and and 24-7 on email. Until then, be safe, stay healthy, and peace out, Wabbits.